This episode of the Major Issues Podcast is brought to you by Comic Book Click at tpublic.com. Visit tpublic.com slash user slash comic book click to get exclusive one-of-a-kind merchandise including shirts, stickers, and phone cases all designed by us. Get your hands on the latest and greatest in comic book merchandise by going to tpublic.com slash user slash comic book click. And remember, you, yes you, are worthy. out there in comic book land my name is george serrano aka the don and if you're listening to this you could only be here for one reason and that's a brand new episode of the major issues podcast brought to you by comic book click and as always i am never alone sir please introduce yourself i am dan the comic book man dan the comic book man is here in studio and we are here to talk about it's october man it's October. Things are getting Halloween spooky month. out there. Things are getting creepy out there. Things are getting pretty adult out there. We got all kinds. DC's swinging for the fences um, this fall slash winter, right? We got Crisis on Infinite Earths around the corner. The premiere of Watchmen came this week. Joker's killing it literally at the box office, uh, making uh, breaking records for R-rated movies and comic book movies in general. And we decided that it would be super cool this week to tackle... Um, two stories underneath DC's black label, a label created uh, for the more adult-centric, the more, um, what would you say, the grittier, the darker. Those are always the adjectives, right? The, the, the <laughs> adult situations. If we're going to go by the MPAA ratings, it'd be like adult situations, adult language, violence. Definitely a lot of violence. Yes. Lots and lots of violence. And so what's interesting is the first book that we're going to talk about today wasn't actually written under Black Label because Black Label didn't exist yet, but is now grandfathered underneath Black Label. Well, now um, they've re-released it uh, at, for the 10-year anniversary underneath DC's Black Label, and that is Joker, uh, written by Brian Azzarello and with art by Lee Bermejo. Which means that the only other book we could be covering after that is Batman Damned. It's the one-two punch of Brian yep, Azzarello. People, we are doing it. We're covering Batman Damned. That's uh, it. That's the Batman dick issue. Everyone knows, yep. everyone knows it's about the, it's that. The, it's, it's the, the famous bat penis. It's the famous bat, bat penis. Uh, Holy boner, issue. Batman. Yes. It was the book that was supposed to kick off this um, DC black label. And people did not uh, react to that first issue of this story. Well, overall, let's talk non-spoiler for those who have not read uh, the Joker or Joker slash Batman. Damn, um, I want to say uh, that these books are not are not the particular kind of comic books that you would read. You don't have oh, the no, same thought bubbles and uh, word bubbles. As a matter of fact, both stories have a narrator. Yeah, um, and. While you have the obviously titled Joker and then the other Batman Damned, neither one of those characters are the main character, like are the narrator of those stories. Isn't that weird? Yeah, yeah, you don't get their internal monologue. You get the narrator's internal monologue. You don't hear Joker or Batman. It's weird to read a Batman comic where you don't really get or to hear else Batman's thoughts. Yeah. Him, right? Yeah. And same thing with Joker. Like, Joker feels more like a force of nature with somebody commentating about him as opposed to 
him being in his head and stuff. There were so many metaphors that I just took out of reading the Joker, like especially like since you're getting Johnny Frost's point of view and not the Joker's, it's yeah. him seeing the Joker through his eyes and slowly learning what he needs to learn about life and sense in Gotham City and the the trade he's in. Yes. Being yes. A, a wanting to be a low level thug and all that. Without telling me which one, did you like one more than the other? Yes, I did. Okay. We'll get to that in a bit. But let's tackle Joker first. Uh, Joker was released October 2008, and I picked this book up. I was in the military at the time. I signed uh, my military contract in 2009. And so I had heard about Dark Knight. I had heard about, you know, everything that was coming about. No, I signed it in 2008, matter of fact. I went to war in 2009. So the summer that Dark Knight came out, I had just got out of basic training and all this. And um, to prepare um, for the film, I had heard that Joker... I'm sorry, Heath Ledger had um, read things like Killing Joke and uh, Arkham Asylum, A Serious House on Serious Earth. That's also been put on Black Label. Hopefully, we'll be covering that kind of stuff soon. And so um, that's actually the the earliest adult memories I could have of me deciding again to get into comics. I I tried three times. The first time, (laughs) I literally read a movie adaptation for X-Men 1. So that's like 2000, right? I was Yikes. nine. I was 10. I was 10 years old. And I, read, I thought it was the coolest thing ever because I was like, I seen it on TV. And it's all right. Yeah. It's not all right. <laughs> well, I know that mindset, of course. Yeah. So I thought it was the coolest. And I had read a couple of other comic books, like one issue things here or there, but I never followed it. Same, same for me. Like me and my yeah. cousin, like every time we would hang out, we would just try and read like one or two comics. It was never like a following thing. So th- this book I remember getting. Um, in 2009. It came out in, in October 2008, but I ordered it when it was finished in 2009. Um, and it was some. It was like nothing else I had at the time. It was definitely uh, gritty. It was definitely dark. Um, and for those who were fans, it was almost a continuation of The Dark Knight. Like the Joker in this Oh, they even book, had the same scars. Yes, looks almost shot for shot like Heath Ledger's Joker. Maybe Brian Azzarello and Lee Bermejo was, were um, inspired yeah, because I know this came like Dark Knight came out months before this. Yeah, the hair is not even like the the trademark green. It's like a kind of like how Heath's was a bit oh like um, that yellowish washed green. out kind of yeah. And it was always like turned to like the side, like as yes. if he's always had his head tilted. It was, yes, yes. Um, but yeah, so a little bit of background on the book. Joker came out uh, and was published by DC Comics in 2008. It's considered a graphic novel because it doesn't have individual issues. It's all one book, one shot. Brian Azzarello and Lee Bermejo had previously worked on a similar take on Superman's arch nemesis in Lex Luthor Man of Steel. Maybe that needs to be put on the old list. And Joker grew out of a discussion following completion of that project. DC editor editor Dan Didio approved the new project uh, the following day. The initial plan was to reflect on this connection with the titles sharing the same structure, Joker the Dark Knight. But it felt to be too similar to the film The Dark Knight. Oh, that would have been too much. This if this graphic novel would have been called Joker: The Dark Knight. Yeah, that's that's too much of a title. I just it, I like it as Joker. It would have felt like some sort of weird novel adaptation of the movie. Um. So yeah, they just changed it to Joker. What do you think of the title? No shame. We just watched was, a movie called Joker. That's true. That's there's true. there's there's no shame in just having it straight up Joker. Yeah. Um. When they asked Brian Azzarello why he preferred writing villains. He said, I relate to them. I don't relate to heroes. And he laughs. He goes, the man's always trying to keep you down. <laughs> this guy. So let's let's talk about Joker. Um, first of all, love the art. 
Oh, the art is amazing. The art is um, they all look like oil paintings. Everything looks like it's something very like pastel. Yeah, carefully crafted, carefully drawn. Um, even the backgrounds. Comic books are one that they tend to hand wave away backgrounds sometimes because they're like you're not, you know. We'll just shade it a different color. You understand this is a book. We don't have to make the spine and write the t- the title. And then you got some people like when we read the Sex Criminals where they go the extra mile to put things in the background. Oh no, yeah, that was just ripe with references. You like that was that was one of the few books that I actually had to pay more attention to the background than the actual writing itself. I felt like in this with this book, um, you have this th- you have this feeling because things are drawn the way they are, that it is more realistic, that it's more um, Batman suits. You can see seams and pads. You you can see where things connect. Whereas when you look at other comics, you look like, that's a onesie. Like, how do you get into that? <laughs> you know? Doesn't well, no, seem yeah, realistic. Each, like, different panel would have Joker's suit just getting more either and you dirty can... or bloody or... And with that Glasgow smile, you see the, like, the hideousness oh, of that. Every close-up of his of face that. that showed the scar on his... Oh, it was just... Not great. It was like grotesque. It was yeah. just hard to look at it sometimes because it was just really drawn really well. Yeah. Um. The cool part about this comic or this graphic novel is that there's various different parts of the Joker that people like to um focus on when they come up with their interpretation, right? Yeah. I feel like this Joker went really hard with the whole like clown prince of crime thing, like the whole. Being the king of crime in Gotham. Oh um, no, yeah, he was especially every his entire motivation of being released from Arkham. It's a combination. I feel this book is a combination, long form, of both scenes in Batman um, eighty nine and the Dark Knight, where the Joker walks in and is basically like, "Yeah, you're not in charge anymore." No, of course that happens in both yeah. of those films, and I think in I think the only one who oh they both kill somebody. They both, uh, <laughs> but at the one, one was self defense. The other one was just to send a message. Yeah, yeah. But um, but you could see the inspirations of the clown prince of crime aspect, and it's really great here because his suit is like Nolan, uh, Nolan's design for Ledger's suit. Do you think the character loses something by having by wanting monetary monetary things by wanting tangible things? No, because so, it's all it all serves a, a purpose that's not tangible. That's not because that's not. Uh, without concrete, go- without going into spoilers, it all meant something. Yeah, it, it all he he didn't he knew that everyone was gonna say no to him. He knew that people were gonna try and kill him. He did it so he can kill them to leave bodies in the street. Yeah, for a certain reason. Yeah, because that's his purpose. Yeah, while it may seem like um his needs and wants are shallow, the those are just the ends to a means. There was to, a panel that he said someone. that I don't care about money. Like she straight up says, "I don't care about money." So yeah. you can you can see it all served a a weirder, eviler, higher purpose. Yeah. So when the clown prince of crime is surprisingly released from criminal custody, which they never really get into. Like, I mean, they, they released like, John Hinckley Jr. So yeah, that's true. You can the worst things have happened in real life. Uh, Johnny Frost, a low level thug, is sent to Arkham Asylum to pick him pick up the always enigmatic Joker. Calls him Johnny Johnny. Yes. Do you uh, were you aware that Johnny Frost was also the name used for the henchman in um, Suicide Squad? I knew I was recognizing that name from somewhere. I'm like, yo, what is that? Name? I know that name, Johnny Frost. Who is that? I just didn't want to Google it. When they do the scene where there's a man um, with a uh, what do they call that damn thing? Minigun. 
on the helicopter. Yeah. He's good, 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 good. His name tag says Frost. Oh, that's an awesome. So that's, uh, yeah, that's old Johnny Frost. So, and he's like, oh, like, what do you think about Johnny Frost? He's, he looks like a Miami Vice. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, he does. Kind of, sort of. Because he, he, he has like that, that beige suit. Yeah, that's like, like pastel, open. open shirts and stuff. Um, that blonde hair. Blonde hair, sunglasses, smoking a cigarette, chilling. Um, and he, I think he's just a kid. He's a, he's a kid. He's immature. He's, he doesn't know what is right and what is wrong. He just wants to be known. We find out later on that he's been to jail five times. Yeah. And he's dead set on not going a sixth. Um, but when this picking up the Joker Aaron comes up, he raises his hand. He votes for it. And so in their first meeting, the Joker... Um, sorry. This Joker... Closely represents uh, the version made famous by Heath Ledger in The Dark Knight, complete with the mangled hair and trademark Glasgow smile. Uh, where do you sit on that? Where do you are? Do you rather the I think Joker's mouth menacing. be? But um, so you you basically got three choices, well, right? The Joker's mouth is face paint that he just painted on. The Joker's mouth is scars or a deformity uh, that create that smile, or the Joker's mouth is forced because of the chemicals to be in a grotesque uh, smile. If I had to choose, I think I would take the the, the scars, the Glasgow scars? smile. Yeah, because if you know what it was, I've never seen that before in any cartoon an or uh, it was adapt- a pretty a pretty. Um, it was the most original. Yeah, adaptation. I mean, because um, he still painted his face. Yeah, he even had he went out of his way. If you saw details, he would have little dots right at the top of his cheeks. And what's weird is that while while the other jokers don't have the scars you know and it's a little bit more comic book oriented um they don't they're not necessarily as scary like i get that the smile's supposed to be intimidating but the joker has been so iconic for so many years that that smile is not as intimidating i feel like if you as go back and watch the 89 you're going to laugh when you just see Jack Nicholson without the face paint, just sitting in that boardroom with just that, with, with that eye like this he has a, yeah he's just like look. he's just trying he, he has the angry face and he's just says yeah, just talking like this. Yeah, wait till they get a load of me. Yeah, you like, you know, it's, it's like if you look back now, it's foolish. As yeah. a kid, yeah, it'd probably be terrifying because you're a kid. Yeah. Anything that's like scary imaging is going to be scary. They say that necessity is the mother of invention. And some of the great, maybe that's an episode as it is, you know, as it is on its own. Some of the great things that comic books hand waved away, movies have had to do the work to be like, no, we have now we have to come up with an in-universe reason for this, yeah. and that's and that's one of the things. Sometimes it works, sometimes they over-explain it and it's it's not as good. One day we're gonna take some time to just come up with like all of the things that they've done with the MCU and stuff to tighten those bolts because sometimes the comics just put their hands up and be like, well, yeah, he got hit with radiation. That was it. It was just radiation. <laughs> like, what else no do you want? Yeah. <laughs> it's just radiation. It's like radiation doesn't do that. Um. After busting Johnny's balls a bit, uh, Joker takes a liking to Frost and chooses to use him as his personal chauffeur as he tends to the business he left behind while he got locked away. The first stop for Frost and Joker is the lair of Killer Croc. But Croc in this story is like less a full-grown man-lizard man man, uh, hybrid thing. No, he he just looks like a a regular gangster. He's like an African-American man. I'm adding with a skin condition. I think he has some sort of skin condition. I can't remember it's are you scaly. looking at it if you, yeah if you look at it it's like scaly like you yeah, have to like zoom yeah. in and you see very light scales yeah um so he's just an african-american man dead skin he's got a, a skin condition and stupid little things like that right like like a skin condition or a scar 
or a, a you know a haircut can be all you need to get a nickname. If so this I, is if this is not Heath Ledger, then I don't know what is. Oh that's, yeah, that's a pretty so cool image. So these are these are the images that I was just like, yo, these are just up close and personal. Yeah. Um. But yeah, Croc. He's a big man, a heavy hitter in the crime Gotham community. And after some small talk, it, and I think the small talk is really just to establish that in this universe, Croc and Joker are like tight. No, they, they they have like this camaraderie, this respectability towards each other. It's actually really cool to read. Which is weird because Waylon Jones, who is Killer Croc, is usually playing at, played up as much more dumb. You know, I like him when he's more menacing. Uh, they play him silly a lot because he's they you know he's a big lizard. I feel here he's just like it. it it's a harmless character. They just he, he reminds me of Ving Rhames. I feel like not Ving Rhames. Um, guy he passed away. Michael Duncan. Oh, Michael Clark Duncan. Yeah, Michael Duncan could have played in uh, here. Killer, Killer yeah, it, especially this. If you were to interpret like this story into the big screen, Michael yeah. Clark Duncan would have been a perfect Killer Croc in that part. Which I guess again to point to Suicide Squad. That's what they were trying to do with that Killer Croc. But he already Maybe? passed away, and so they couldn't. No, get him. what I mean, what I mean is like, first of all, they got an African American for the role. Of Killer Croc for Suicide Squad. And he was thuggish. He had like the hoodie on. And he was on. thuggish. And it was kind of played up as a skin condition. But they couldn't. They went. They f- went too halfway with it. Where he was eating live pigs in a It was a, a camel. Sewer. It was a camel. camel. It was a camel. I know. It was, it was, a, it was big, Yeah, it was a horse built by a committee. Animal. It was a horse built by a committee, basically. <laughs> a horse built by a committee. No, that's what that's what it was. They took, uh, they, they the just camel. took they took half of they took half of this kind of like story, and then half of like him with the whole actual body of a croc, and then but no snout. Put snouts on these lizards. I got tight oh, when they did it in Amazing Spider-Man. I hated Spider-Man. when they did it in Amazing Spider-Man. And That's same thing here. Phase that just you ate. need a snout. Lizards have snouts. That's what makes them scary. They're reptiles. That's the point. I'm pretty sure they're summer. I guess they're thinking like geckos or something like that. But I mean, the, but the, the point, that, like, to help your point, is like CW did King Shark or whatever. All the way. All, all the way. way. It wasn't just a man who likes sharks and sharpened his teeth. It didn't look like shark. It has his lo- hair like a fin. Oh my. Yeah, exactly. It wasn't <laughs> just... For him to be interpreted as a shark, like yeah, no, yeah. no, it was a, he a full shark on <laughs> CGI shark that looked dope for a basic cable channel. Yeah, so give us I a snout. So. But I like this. I like this uh, croc. Um, the three go to a strip club. So he chilling at the strip club. Joker starts to talk to some of the patrons there, but then he talks. To, he wants to talk to a man named Monty. And this is a this is a continuing thing that happens where he goes to an establishment. He chums it up with somebody there. And then something goes horribly wrong. Oh, that's definitely a... You notice it was a running theme for Heath Ledger's Joker, too. Yeah. Every time he was on scene, it was just like a roller coaster of it's going to go high, go high, and then... Now that you mention that, that actually adds an interesting layer to this. Because the the thing that um, made a lot of people a fan of Heath Ledger's Joker was uh, the unpredictable nature of him. And I agree that this one also has an unpredictable nature. But how crazy is it? Um, I could only compare it to the beginning of the Dark Knight. The beginning of the Dark Knight. The reason why everyone loves that so much is because Joker's there. We're yeah. watching the Joker do his thing, and he's literally, literally killing his entire. Team Very off. rarely do we watch the Joker do his thing. We arrive, the Joker's already done his thing. He's already or he's there while everyone else is doing thing for him, and he's just like at the top of yes, the, like the we're never there eighty nine where he's throwing out money while Batman has. We to don't fight know how he got the, the we don't know how he got the balloon. None of that stuff. So this one we see him rob a bank by basically with a bunch of people. Or when I say by himself, I mean like Batman's not there. Nobody else is there but Joker. In this book, we're literally watching him go from stop to stop. 
We're watching his his itinerary, what he does oh, this is, for, throughout this, a day. It's like a mundane routine for a supervillain. Like yes. it's it's crazy. It's basically watching the Joker run errands. No, honestly, his to do list with Johnny Frost. And he's no, that's what he does. He checks out. He's like, all right, now we have this stop to go to. We have this stop to go to. He's like, where do you want to go next? We got to go here. It's like it's it's driving Miss Crazy. Yeah, <laughs> I like that. Um, you may disagree. But I think that this is where the book tells you that I was this is not. Just, no, I was not. There's no disagreement here. <laughs> I was going a, a to say book. that. This is not a, a tame book. This is a book that is uh, furious in its depictions this of violence. This scene alone, this these f- couple of panels is what I I knew we were in for a fucking treat. Yes. When this happened. Oh, Lord. Yeah, because, you know, Joker's talking to Monty, and you got a blonde stripper doing her thing in the background, and uh, Joker takes Monty to the back room in the champagne room, you know? And we find out that the blonde stripper is actually this universe's Harley Quinn. Really cool little, uh, you know, wrinkle there. Joker's uh, love interest and accomplice is there stripping, so... Kind of uh, reminds me of Suicide Squad, in a sense, where yeah. he was doing deals with other gangsters and the establishment, the and, he was, and she was dancing in the background. Yeah. Um, yeah, so... Johnny, just chilling. He sees Joker walk to the back with Monty. He sees Harley. He don't care. He's just chilling. He's taking his drinks. Um, But suddenly, Monty walks onto the stage completely skinned. From 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 neck neck to ankle. Neck to ankles to wrists. Yeah. (laughs) Completely skinned. Um, You see his his tissue, the muscle. Yep, muscle fibers, all that stuff. Oh, Um, Lord. And Joker and Harley laugh in the background. And he just, like, he just dies. He has no skin. I don't know. I guess you, you gotta get shocked. Bleed out. Yeah, shock, shock, bleed out, bleeding out, all kinds Give of stuff. Give yourself a fucking heart attack. He's oh fat, so he got a heart attack. So he just dies, you know, and horrified by the skinless man dying in front of them. Joker takes the time and asks the shocked audience if they're willing to help him take his city back. He mentions how, in his absence, the world has gone to shit, and offers them an opportunity to help him get back on top. And this is the first time Johnny is visibly impressed with Joker. He finally realizes that he's on the good side of the worst man. Yeah, like if I had to, if I have to be with him, I'm glad I'm with him instead of against him. Yes, yes. Uh, so the next morning, Joker robs a bank, and then he, uh, you know, coaxes. That the is penguin. a penguin, right? Yeah, he Abner, keeps calling Abner. Yeah, which is um. Oh, I'm, that's the name of a pig in. Is it? I the know. horse, the talking horse. Uh, yeah. Uh, no, it's Mr. 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 Ed. Ed. Yeah, yeah, Abner. Um. So yeah, because he's like, yo, you should have known. Like, I was gone. You should have made sure that everything was good, but you didn't. So now I throw this money from a bank, invest it for me. Um, and yeah, basically under threat of death. <laughs> uh, later, Johnny's confronted by a police officer who serves him divorce papers. But Johnny doesn't really seem to care because he's chilling with the Joker again. You know, like it's it's like when your girlfriend breaks up with you and then um, Chris Hemsworth like, hey, bro, you want to come to Australia for a bit? Well, I hope Chris Hemsworth, is, if that's not the kind of adventure in Australia Chris Hemsworth wants to have. Yeah, we love you girls. All right, I'll never leave to go to chill with Chris Hemsworth. Well, maybe just a little bit. But anyway, that's neither the point. Um, so at a restaurant, Joker confronts a group of mobsters asking why he's lost almost all of his money. They offer a bunch of like half-hearted explanations, right? Everyone's like, "Well, I had to take some, and he had to take a bit of it." And I guess they legit you know, took all the man's money, yeah, and split it amongst themselves. So he's just sitting there letting them talk. Uh, so Joker is like, "Screw this! Give me the money that you guys got, whatever you guys got, to kind of recoup for the missing funds." So they give him some money, and uh, they bounce. Joker and Frost bounce, and then uh, while they're outside, Joker tells Johnny that he forgot something inside and shoots the mobsters dead. Yep, all of them. Just bong, bong, bong. 
And this is just one of the many murders because Joker embarks on a full-blown killing spree. Yo, game. I've never seen a panel montage of dead bodies. Just they're they're shot in Everywhere. their cars, shot. they're shot in alleys. They're in garbage bags. They're just let me see if I can scroll to it because I just have to describe every. Yeah, call out some of these. Uh, this thing's call out some of these things. Got a load. Where is it? These. Yep, he's still. But yeah, um, he's murdering many thugs. In back alleys, their cars, bars, strip clubs. And he seemingly hell-bent to get back at all those who stole his money, turf, and uh, I guess messed a little bit with his reputation. You know, his rep is out there, Dan. His rep out there, he wondering who out here Joker's trying to steal. Joker's not no, no person to mess with. Well, you steal from him? Like, people going to start thinking you can steal from the Joker? And where they like, his guys, like, it's... It's 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 enough. it's one thing I think, for an I enemy like to steal from him. are kind of revolving door people, right? They just work for whoever. They're free. They're the freelance. Job. They're freelance thugs, yeah, 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 basically, yeah. in a sense. Yeah, um, which I think that's kind of funny too. They all go to the same like you know union. They're yes. like like in Joker, where all the clowns go to the same union to prepare for what they do. Yes, that's the henchmen. They all go to the same union. All right, you got Penguin today. You got Two Face today. But as these bodies stack, as you see people riddled with bullets on the street. Literally my bodies favorite, everywhere. This, this is gonna c- coming up to one of my favorite themes of the remaining of the book. Um, you start seeing like Johnny starts to feel really powerful. Uh, he say, he honestly says seeing and knowing where all the bodies are buried makes him feel powerful, and he's hanging with the most rabid dog in town. You know, if it's not the biggest, it, he's definitely hanging with the most rabid dog in town, and so he's definitely starting to like really feel his feel his worth and stuff. Um, and then come from here, the Joker admits, in not so many words, that he's all doing this to get Batman's attention. Yeah. Because he keeps looking in the sky to see if the bat signal is put if up he, yet. If he ever does something worth Batman showing up for. And that, that was that when that was presented to us as his motivation, I'm like, okay, this is, this is a book. Now, this that, is, now that you say that, all this book, my fact... They could have called this Joker the Dark Knight because of the next man who ends up coming in. Because Penguin ends up informing Joker that Harvey Dent is dodging a talk with him. So you got Harvey Dent. You got oh, he keeps Joker. messing with them too. He keeps saying, like, which Harvey am I talking to? You got Harvey Dent, Joker, and Batman. That's the Dark Knight. Yeah. So, yeah. I'm, Joker, I'm... Gasglau, Smile. That's it. Batman. Harvey, Dent, Harvey Dent doesn't look acid. And it looks like he's burned. One can say that this stuff was happening on the off-screen events of, of Dark Knight. Who's to say that Batman wasn't in China getting somebody? <laughs> uh, what's he calling it? Um, expediting. Right? Exped- yep. They gotta expedite. <laughs> I don't know why I had such Batman a hard time. Batman has doing no that, rules. But... He's gonna find the squealers and and I know the squealers and. Uh... Yep. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so something about not being able to talk to Harvey Dent pisses Joker Yo, he off. breaks the phone. He uh, tries his best to reach uh, Harvey. Harvey don't pick up. Harvey's sitting there letting it ring, smiling his ass off. Uh, enraged, Joker trashes the phone. He kills one of his own henchmen and then sets the grin and bear on fire, the little club that they were hanging out in. Um, he's bananas. We're, There's also panels is, of him like crying in Harley's lap. Laugh and, and, but also laughing. There's... There's scenes where Johnny will walk past his room and there's just drugs everywhere, cocaine, prescription pills, knives. It, it to tell you the truth, those scenes reminded me of the ledger. I mean the Leto scenes of him in the in the hotel. Well just random shit sprawled about and in like a vest. Oh yeah, we're like, we went to go like wake him up to let him know where Harley is and he's just like disoriented, yes. pointing a gun everywhere. Yeah. He probably is on a lot of drugs. I that- feel like that that would be this joker in that sense, like 
never knowing. And there's a moment we haven't got to it yet, but there's a moment where he randomly pulls a gun out on on Frost. He like yeah. He's like, what do you think you're better than me or whatever? And then Frost is like, no. He's like, oh okay. And so you're you're led to know that this guy's on a hair trigger. That he literally is, he's insane. So he's constantly dangling on that thin line of insanity, insanity. Um, and how, how do you feel about Johnny's, like, admiration for him? His idolization? idolization I feel him? like it's the writers, like, saying these are the teenagers that are how they're feeling nowadays. Like These are the kind of people who, when they grew up, they thought Batman was right when they got older. They found the those kinds was, of people. The people yeah. that I think the fans that idolize the Joker, I think the Joker's right because you know fuck the establishment and the man screws us and yeah. So, but there's just so much stuff that he does in this book that's like you can't be on his side. I feel like that moment there should have been one of the red flags. The fact that on a whim he'll kill a henchman and set the HQ on fire because he feels like it because he's pissed off. Like that's when I start to. Uh, tender my resignation but then again I don't think Joker's the one that lets people go with severance packages you know not so, at all well, so. no there, there's a severance package uh, yeah yeah. Um, yeah so the next day Frost is detained by Dent and Dent basically warns Frost that the Joker will kill him so he needs to know basically what side he's gonna be on when that time comes um, I I felt that what Harvey was saying I felt like that was very true he's like he's all like you think this is gonna happen forever like you're chilling now I get that you're chilling now but it's the Joker bro you're friends with the Joker you think this is gonna gonna be heart stars and horseshoes forever it ain't he's like he will kill you not and laugh not because your life meant nothing to him but because death is a punchline death is the punchline yeah like he will bro he will kill you um so yeah so Frost is just sitting there like damn. Am I supposed to be the one that puts down the Joker? Like, because now I'm, in, I'm on the inside, and maybe I, if I put him down, then I don't have to worry about my it's, And it's more shades of Dark Knight, too, with Aaron Eckhart, when he was already Two-Face, where yeah. he said to Falcons, like, the Joker has no friends, you know. Yeah. Uh, he's a mad dog. I wonder who let him off the leash and stuff like His that. His weird insanity allows an insight into Jokers. His weird, twisted sense Cause he of can, right Because he's, he's, he still stands on that, like, you know, line of duality. Yes. Like, he can see both sides. It's weird when you could be able to see both sides of the fence. Speaking of which, did you know at one point uh, there was a character called Two-Face's daughter named Duella Dent? I wish uh, you people could have seen his face when I I said that right now. (laughs) This is when we need a video uh, podcast. Oh, my Duella. Oh, my God. Yep. But, yeah, so he's sitting there thinking about whether or not he should be the one to take down Joker when... Uh, he ends up being late for a Joker meeting and uh, with the Riddler, um, who's a weapons dealer. And Joker assaults him for it. Kicks him in the crotch. Uh, I, I missed it in my notes, but you know what I really, really liked? Um, there's a scene in which Frost is getting too comfy. Oh, you're and talking so about the croc talks, scene. He, a, he goes to kill a croc and he's like, hey... The boss wants to, you know, the boss needs you now, whatever. And Croc's like, yeah, when I'm done, nah, when I'm done. And he's like, no, like, you need to go now. And he, he like, takes his plate. Food. No, yeah, he, he picks takes up his, his plate of food and he grabs him and he puts him on a fish hook. And yeah, he's like, and Croc's nope. like, I'll go when, I, when I'm fucking ready, basically. He's like, yo, who do you think you are? Like, no, he legit tells him, like, yo, I don't know who you think you are, but, you know, yeah, you're not that. proof that Johnny thinks he's Well, that now. was his internal monologue the whole, a lot of times where you're like, you know my name now, don't you? I'm Johnny yeah. Frost and all that. He's getting really cocky. He's getting really another thing big, he, too, bri- I, too big for his bridges. Another thing that he was doing that was kind of um, 
funny was that he was he was trying to rectify in his own mind why he should quote unquote let Croc go, like if he could do anything anyway. So he's like, "Well, you know, the Joker will take care of it, and you know, and yada." So they get to the meeting, and uh, Joker's like, "You're late," and Croc's like, "I know," or something. And then Joker's like, "Ah, it's all right." <laughs> so well, I'm actually early. I was I was keep I wanted to keep you guys waiting. That's what he said. He's like, I actually yeah. showed up early to try and keep you waiting. Yeah. Um. But then Frost tries to do the exact same thing. He shows up late. Joker goes, you're late. And he's like, yeah, well, yada, yada, yada. And Joker kicks him in the dick. Joker straight up kicks him in the dick. And he's like, that's slop. Don't be sloppy. Yada, yada, yada. And it just shows you that Frost is not where he thinks he is. He's not at the level that he thinks he's he is. He's an assistant at the end of the day. He's, he's assistant he's to a, the regional I manager. I was just about to say, he's the assistant to the regional manager. Like, yeah. <laughs> Croc's still the gym, you know? Yes. Um. So, yeah, they... He has a briefcase. They exchange a briefcase and the Joker leaves. Once on the road, the Joker's crew is shot by off-duty cops hired by Harvey Dent. The Joker's car crashes and flips over and a bloody Joker escapes the vehicle, returning the assault with automatic gunfire. That panel of him like bleeding and just with a machine gun, iconic. Really, really cool. Yeah. Uh, really, really cool image there. But we see that he gets confronted by the same cop that tried to deliver the divorce papers to Frost and there's a gunshot. But when the all the dust is settled. Your boy yo, Frost you see made a the, choice. Yo, you see the the going out the back the of his head. The exit wound, yeah. Yeah, you see that exit wound, man. It's crazy. Yeah, when the dust is settled, we find out that Frost chose to save Joker's life in the scuffle and murder the officer. He had that moment. He could have he was legit taken gonna Harvey's kill. offer and ended this whole disease. But um, no, he likes his boy. He's with his boy. So the Joker embarks on a full-on turf war against Dent, murdering any and all of the associates he can get his hands on. Again, a montage of and panels of just dead people everywhere. Factories, uh, parking lots, all kinds of craziness. So this bloodshed leads to a meet another really, really good scene. It leads to a meeting between Harvey Dent and the Joker at the city zoo, both with, with their fully armed posses. So bringing the briefcase he receives from the Joker, I mean from the Riddler, sorry, the Joker says he has learned that Dent has two wives and threatens to use the contents of the briefcase as leverage against them. <laughs> two wives. So My God. Dent then reveals that he has Johnny's wife in custody and mentions to uh, the Joker that him and Johnny have an understanding. This thinly veiled threat is enough to piss Joker off, who attacks Dent with shards of broken glass tips. And he had a, yeah, when he was released, you saw when he's like taking the glove off. I'm like, why is he taking the glove off? Yo, he's done to the, just jagged pieces of glass. But the illustration on on Dent's wrists was so disgusting. Like the wound was like the gash was really yeah, open. Cause he, oh my god, cause he went to grab madness. the briefcase and he and just he swung at him. He like swiped, swiped, swiped his whole wrist. Yo, madness, madness. Who's to and say that's they, not they do a close the they do a close up on his hand with all those jagged pieces of glass in it? I it what what like who does it that was, kind of shit? It it is balls to the wall. Um. So, yeah, he, he he assaults him. So now that he's assaults him, all hell's going to break loose, right? All of Harvey Dent's men pick up their weapons, and Harley Quinn, who is described as a gorilla at the zoo, unmasks and shoots each of one of them in the head. How genius was that? Oh, it's it was perfect. It's You know what it was? It, it reminded me of a darker version of, like, the Batman cartoon. Exactly. That was a very animated series. Um... Uh, because you couldn't really Ploy see, you could see them shooting guns, but you couldn't really see dead bodies. 
if that scene was to happen in like that Batman cartoon, the second Harley would have started shooting, they all would have jumped out the way and scattered and ran, and she would have missed every single one of them. Yeah. But the fact that we got to see here, like, see her take off the mask and just have this like silverback gorilla outfit with the and Harlequin. She didn't speak, speak the whole comic. No, she didn't talk once. But she did in damned, damned, and yeah. it was um, it broke. It honestly broke my heart. There's a lot going on in damned. Um, yes, yeah, so now they're all dead. So now you're like, okay, everybody's good, everybody's safe, everything's Gucci. But no, because here comes now we start going into the real horrors of this ma- of the Joker as a character. Because after ho- helping Frost get his ex-wife Shelly back from debt, the Joker then instructs her to fuck him, basically <laughs> to have sex with him in front of Frost, saying this makes them even, since Frost cheated on the Joker by not revealing his own meeting with debt. You can see Joker buttoning up his pants. And the girl in the car, and Joker's like, "Well, now we're even." So the beginning of just like the, wow, what a piece of what a piece of shit, basically. Um, yes. So Joker then goes on a, another killing spree as Johnny starts to wonder if Joker is someone he should be idolizing at all, especially when the Man Man kills an elderly couple out of oh, fun I hated in front that of him. Part, yeah. Well, everyone has a line that they won't cross, Dan, and I feel like they made a point in this comic to show Joker has none of those lines. So if you think that Joker's heroic, realize that there there's a line no in your head floor, yeah. that he will cross because he does not care. Um, and he's just laying on the bo- uh, He's laying on their bodies in yes. the bed. Like and you see the hands sticking out and the legs sticking over out. the walls. It's a massacre. And he has like a he has like a straight razor on his like stomach. He's just yes. like chilling with a straight razor. Later, Harvey paints a bat on the spotlight, you know, creating the bat symbol. And when Batman shows up, he pleads with him to help him stop the Joker. Batman confronts and interrogates Harley while Joker is away. And when the Joker and Frost return to their apartment, they find the window shattered and flee to Croc's lair. However, Batman has already subdued Croc and his gang. So you literally feel like the time is going through the one of those hourglasses. Like time is running up for Joker because literally all of his, his associates start to get nabbed by Batman and stuff. Um, in his, a final attempt to escape, Joker and Frost flee to a nearby bridge. Johnny has a fit of uncontrollable laughter, and suddenly Joker strikes him and holds him hostage by gunpoint, waiting for Batman's arrival. What did you? How did you interpret that? How did you interpret him? Just he was using him as he knew that that was the only way to get Batman. Okay. He's like, I know you're gonna save this man's life, and you're not gonna let me kill him. So let me just attempt to kill him, so you can finally face me one on one. Because it did seem like a bit of a turn. Well, that's what he was saying the whole time. Like he wasn't doing it against Johnny. Yeah. Like, he literally grabbed him because he's, one, he's crazy, and two, he started monologuing like, you know, you're no better than me. Why do you think you're better than me? Like, yeah. Because I mock you. And Yeah. Oh, because gr- they do, they do, a, he, he's basically like, why do you wear a mask? It's, pre- it's because you're too chicken to be a cop. Um, and, uh, but you still leave part of your face exposed. Why do you leave part of your face exposed? And then that's when he says to mock you. And so, out of anger, uh, um, freaking Joker shoots Frost shoots through the back of his neck. Old boy, basically, I don't know, busting his whole face up, looking like a Glasgow smile. His whole face is bloodied up. He, I, I thought he was from like from like right here because I know he was holding him, so he probably had like the gun from like. The... I thought it was from the back. I thought he had him, you know, like when you have somebody hostage. Because you're you're dead if you are you get, if you shot from right. Oh, because like, of the. It's the back of the head. That's where the whole stem to the brain is and everything. That would make that's, sense. That's, that's, that's death. But Through you, the neck, though? Through, like, the chin? You could probably... We so, need, if you're a doctor, right? Into well, I know there's, like, thyroids, and there's yeah. there's so much stuff right here, but I just know from Fight Club, yeah. if you were to just shoot your cheek, 
Yeah. Never yeah. You, so he probably like because he had him in the like a chokehold position. So yeah. he probably had him in the face right here because his whole bottom jaw was like his teeth was out. It was yeah busted. He shot. Yeah, he's um, like shot his jaw. I think in that moment, you Johnny finally sees Joker for who he is—a disease with no cure. I thought he was gonna jump off the bridge. I don't think when he, he was when he was like freaking, when yeah. he was like leaning on the bridge. I thought he was literally gonna kill himself because he didn't want to like die of bleeding out. Yeah, um, the Joker and Batman fight in a bloody brawl as uh, Frost seemingly <gasps> climbs over the edge. Oh my of the god! Bridge and falls into the river. That makes uh, it makes so much more sense now. Now everything comes now now. Yeah. Batman damned makes so much more sense now. So last we left, the Joker and the Batman fight in a bloody, bloody brawl and a body falls off the bridge. So how do you feel about Joker real quick before we get into damned? Oh, I love this book. It Did was you? gruesome, but it was good writing. It was good. It was, it was a good like Joker mythos, it's like something different, but the same. In a sense. It was weird. It's familiar, like familiar things, but a different take on it. Yeah. Familiar take on familiar things. Or it was like it was really yeah it was really different but not really like it's what you expect from a Joker character yeah but it was a different kind of like Joker oh. I've never really seen a Joker like break down like that un- until Suicide Squad but I figured that was just David Ayer's bad writing <laughs> so <laughs> when I see funny. it done here where he couldn't get Harvey on the phone and he like kills somebody bl- burns up an HQ but then like he's hugging Harley and doing drugs on a bender it's like. I went through great lengths to say that the the best interpretation of the Joker should be one that's not romanticized. Yes. You know, I've said that about before they made the Joaquin Phoenix Joker movie. I've said it a million times, quite frankly, because I understand the cool nature of the Joker, the cool nature of somebody who has all the plans, has all the answers, doesn't care about life, so you can't take anything from him. I get why somebody would want to be that person or emulate that person, but... I think that the best interpretations strip away the humanity of the character, and you see him for a it's shell. It's also hard not to like how the actor. Oh, definitely does their take like it, like you know, um, Jack Nicholson straight up murdering everybody in that movie. He was murdering everybody, but, the but it was Jack Nicholson that we loved. All of those Jokers um, are are not affected. They don't they don't get affected by anything until they lose. Um, and that's that. I think is the biggest um, thing that people want. They want to not care. They want to not care to the level of Joker, so that you never hurt. So that you never have to take on trauma. You never have to worry about responsibilities. They don't. They want to not care that much. And seeing somebody not care to the lengths of a Joker who doesn't have fingerprints, who doesn't have right, they didn't have an ID. He doesn't live anywhere. Nothing in his pocket but knives and lint. Right. He doesn't live anywhere. He just. He's just a a, a force of nature. You never see um, him really sleep. You never see him eat. Use the bathroom. But this, you do. You see all that. Yeah. And so it's not romanticized. He's literally a monster every day. No, that's just one hundred percent. That's it. He's just an unstable monster. Why he was released from Arkham, I'll never understand. No. But um, instead of getting a little bit of a past on that, let's go forward with Batman. Damned again. Brian Azzarello and Lieber Mayho uh, returning. This one was released in September of two thousand and eighteen. Ten years after Joker. Um. Bermejo said the project came as a result of Joker. Every time we do a project that leads um, that leads us into the next project we're going to do together. Even if we don't know it right away. Azarello described Damned as a quasi-sequel to Joker. He said that uh, one did not have to read Joker to understand Damned. I don't agree. I do not agree <laughs> at all. Uh, but if they read both, they would see the connections. The se- that's... 
that's the point of you know having both. Yeah, yes. you need to read the both because you, you need, need the, the connections. connections. Like, yeah. are you seriously gonna watch Terminator Three and not know what the hell is going on? Yeah, but the narrator returns. Um, you want to just dive in? You have anything you want to say up top? Uh, for Batman, like spoiler free. Uh, yeah, if you want. I don't got. I mean, if you're here, then you've already ventured into the spoiler-ish territory. So I was gonna dive oh, right it, in. But in case was, you want to say something, I had to like read it a second time. Incredibly confusing. It is. It's, <laughs> it's so confusing. confusing. It was so out there. It was. It was really hard to know what my true feelings were on if I liked it or I didn't like it. And I feel like if I dislike something to the point that all I do is think about how much I dislike it, then there's got to be something about it that I must like. Yes. Nothing should take I that much. That. Nothing that I that I truly you're hate com- will take up that much energy. That you hate it as I'm, much as you so, do. That's the problem. I'm so confused of why I don't like it. Like I there's this is something that I should like, but it's just it, w- it was hard I, to get into. I agree into. that Batman books should have Batman as a narrator. Yeah. Um, because if not, you're just guessing. And a he lot even of called himself book... an unreliable narrator. And it's like, I don't want this. I don't need this. I don't need an unreliable narrator. A lot of this book is guessing. And a lot of my, um, a lot of my notes is just my interpretation of the panels that I see. Because not a lot of things are spelled out for you. Not a lot of things are outwardly just explained. So I took to trying to um, lengthen some of these explanations uh, using my own logic. And I could be completely wrong. So I hope that you guys uh, listen to my interpretation. And if you have a different one, you write in and you let me know what you took out of it. Because the my interpretation is the only way I can enjoy this story. If it's not the way I think that it is, um, I... I think the book suffers because And of at it. this point in our life, we're not really talking to these people that make the book. So we can't, yeah. Get there, the, and you the shouldn't. Need, and you shouldn't need to. Like I you should just be able end, to. It's art is subjective. Enjoy you shouldn't end you the movie to. going. What was he trying to say? That that's the worst thing you do because then your message wasn't even didn't even connect at all. Um. So I do think that that this book fails because of that a bit. Um. There's too much left to interpretation. There's too much they don't want to say concrete. That, see, that's the problem. If there's only one interpretation that like everybody can like agree on without needing a confirmation of it, then. Fine, but when you have like so many theories, yeah, I don't, I almost don't like it because then anyone, it's, it's whatever you want to make it, and your mind can make the book better, which is, I think is what mine did. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but again, that's not to say that uh, Bermejo's the art is is terrible. He comes back again; it's awesome. Oh, the art is it's amazing. amazing. Uh, my favorite part of this book, and we'll go into it as we meet each one of them, is that it's definitely a who's who of like magic users and. Everyone in this book is a magic user. Like basically what you consider Justice League Dark. You know, um, that team of Zatanna, Constantine, Deadman, etc. But let's jump into it. So, again, no thought bubbles. The story has its own unseen narrator, but instead of it being Johnny Frost this time, um, we see that the book starts off with an homage to the killing joke, where that narrator talks about there uh, being a thin line between life and death. And we are shown Batman severely wounded on a stretcher in the back of an ambulance. Um, See, this, this is, is what right I liked. after. This I is like right this. after Joker. So we are led to believe that in the fight that took place on the bridge, where uh, Johnny Frost was there with Joker and Batman, that Batman and the Joker fell off the bridge. The Joker, and now we know that spoiler, yes. spoiler, spoiler. It's Johnny Frost. Yeah, 
That's the John that's the Doe. Yeah, that's the other That body. he thought was Joker. That's the John Doe. That's the other body. Oh yeah, my god. Awesome. You know you're right. He's dead. I yeah. So he is so he is confirmed dead. Yeah. There's that. And yeah. I was right. He fell. Um so the Joker seemingly died when he fell, and Batman it was knocked unconscious and awakes in an ambulance in the ambulance in question. I don't know. Now now that I'm thinking about how this the story literally follows in the same seconds events, I don't know how Batman would lose his memory i don't know if maybe enchantress the was the only way is with, with my it, interpretation enchantress um with my interpretation that batman does not survive the fight on the bridge yeah so there is no memory to be had because, because the he died are on off. the bridge yeah <laughs> the lights are off <laughs> um so yes that's a, that's a terrible uh, when, hell. Yes. When the paramedics try to take off his mask, Batman fights the emergency medical technicians, which that was kind of like, aw. Like, <laughs> they're not really trying. Well, one of them was like, let's see who's under the mask. And I was like, yeah, you're going to, you're totally going to get it. Um, that's literally like. Yeah, and then he grabbed one of them and he like used them as like to break his fall on the asphalt. And that's super canon. Like, every interpretation, you try to take off Batman's mask and something happens. Either you get electric shocked or. Well, he does have, no, I I, I know in the comics he does have like electric under his like costume or whatever yeah there's been a bunch of different times where you don't you don't touch the mask bro um he runs off only to collapse in a street constantine rescues batman and then and identifies himself as the narrator of the story and brings him into a hotel room in a series of flashbacks we are shown that enchantress has had her eye on bruce since a little boy and would frequently make contact with him although he didn't know why Talk to me about John Constantine. What do you think about John Constantine as a character and definitely as a um, narrator? But before you do, uh, John Constantine is a fictional superhero appearing in American comic books published by DC Comics and its alternative eh, alternative imprint, Vertigo. Vertigo had a lot of these darker titles, Swamp Thing and stuff like that. Um, But sadly, that imprint has... uh, been canceled. Oh, I'm 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 definitely gonna have to get there because I know I want to read Swamp Thing and I want to read it as well. Guess little... what, buddy? The character of John Constantine first appeared in Saga of the Swamp Thing number thirty-seven. That, I'm gonna have to just read that one then. So you're gonna see if you're reading up on Swamp Thing, you're gonna meet John Constantine as he was intended the very first time in another person's. I'm not comic gonna book. lie. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. John Constant from from what I've seen from like the TV show and and the movie and now in this specific story. I could really see John Constantine being a character in that Swamp Thing TV show if it would have oh, totally. continued. I and could he see... would have been and talking to because he talks him all crazy. Well, there was already in the, that... in the, in the book. The... He's like, shut oh, up. We'll get there, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's it, I could see him existing in that realm. So I'm glad that he first appeared in the Swamp Thing realm. Yeah, uh, but uh, yeah. So Constantine is a working class warlock. He's an occult detective and a con man stationed in London. He is known for his endless cynicism. Deadpan snarking, ruthless cunning, and constant chain smoking, but he's also a passionate humanitarian driven by a heartfelt desire to do something good in his life. Um, he was very snarky to Batman. I think that they work good together because Batman does not like attitude, and but Constantine seems seemed to have all the cards, and we find out later on why, I think, uh, in my interpretation, why he had all the cards, because he's actively helping Batman get from, to, from one place to another. Um... Yes, I'm going to get to that in a bit. But in the present day, Batman learns of the situation that we now know about from the news. He fears he may have murdered the Joker and Constantine offers to form an alliance. Batman returns to the bridge to investigate where a homeless man claims to have seen the devil kill the Joker. The man disappears before Batman can question him. And later, Bruce conducts a physical on himself in the nude. 
thus the Batman penis panel. While seemingly haunted by his bat suit in the cave, we have to talk about the bat pole. Let's talk about the whole thing. Uh, so, when this issue was first released, book one of Batman Damned, only three, only three issues. I think each one is over 35 to 40 pages. They're a presti- uh, prestige edition uh, issues of these comics. And so, when it was first released, the internet exploded because you can visibly see the head of Batman's penis drawn. And it's not even all that there. It's like shadows but and it's, highlights. But it's still the emphasis on the head, on the tip. That's the problem. You still see the mushroom cap. Yeah. Um, you don't I, need to see veins. I, I guess just... I guess the idea of making it that pronounced made it. But if he's... But what was he? He, he, from he the... just took all his clothes and he was doing a scan. Uh, scan. He was scanning my body for... Oh, so he was just... Uh, that yeah, was just yeah, supposed yeah. to be shadowy. I thought yeah. he was still in the, the suit. Okay, so he oh, was yeah. just butt naked, naked standing in his Batcave. Well, one, it's his Batcave. He You're pays money for it. So... And if you think that's the only time he's been butt naked in the Batcave, you wildin'. Hell no. You wildin'. Um, Hell no. Alfred has known him since he was a baby. You think he cares about walking in and seeing Bruce doing a full-on physical? How do you feel about the idea that Bruce Wayne... um like... Like that, he would be haunted by his own weird image of himself. Like the the whole well, bat suit coming to grab him. And I'm gonna keep using your interpretation because I'm getting too many like yeah. con- confirmations, especially since the old the old homeless guy says I saw the devil kill the Joker. Yeah. So that you could just keep chalking that up to your interpretation. <laughs> okay. He, he's he's being haunted because it's it's hell. He's in the circles of hell. He's in the circles of hell. And he he's is being- damned. Batman is damned. <laughs> Maybe there you go. There's another. Yeah, there's, there's another even wrinkle more into the, wrinkle into, into your fucking interpretation. It's what do you think about um, DC coming out so bold and brash with this black label, and then um, rescinding when people outrage about the penis? Do you feel that they buckled? Was that a compromise that you agree with? What, how do you feel about that whole See, them I'm gonna going to go so back... far as to saying they should have never even drawn the penis in the first place. Okay. You, they knew. There is no way. No way. In, in the 80 years that Batman has existed, we have never once even... We've seen his ass on, on TV, but that's, that's actors. We're not, yeah. we're not reading and seeing with our own eyes drawn illustrations of Batman's genitalia. Yeah. This should have never even been done in the first place because they knew it was going to be backlash. What's weird is that I don't even think the... I mean, I guess the penis serves a purpose to show a level the of vulnerability. The penis serves a purpose. I, and then, like, to show a level of vulnerability, I guess. Like, if I'm stretching, you know what I'm saying? Like, one uh, I could guess, say yeah, that... the way it, social norms are to be naked is to be, like, you know, shy, like... Vulnerable and he's alone. Maybe that's what that was supposed to do. But when you think of, like, adult-rated comics, you, people usually lean on violence. At violence and adult themes, right? I want to see superheroes doing heroin. I don't want to violence see superheroes a, naked. Doesn't mean you want to see dicks, unless it's female superheroes. But, but that's just me. But then you know what? That invites Dan. That invites the equal opportunity of well, I guess some female comic readers were tired of seeing scantily clad uh, heroin. Maybe that's and the, now they that's got to probably see a the more. So you what know, happened? Yeah. Uh, it's like, can we see some bat penis already? Well, here you go. Here's a mushroom cap. So you'll be fine if you never see another penis in comic books again. Right? I will be a okay if I never see another naked person in, in comic comics? books again, unless it's a narrative to unless story. Unless it helps the narrative. Yes, okay. sex criminals. I will read 
the next gen the next issue. Oh, those of- penises in that all went in there. Oh, I was I no that, that, that I don't think we've mentioned it. <laughs> because it served the purpose. Yeah. It was the name the title of the book was Sex Criminals, so you knew that there was gonna be a lot of that sex. Sex in. was gonna be the main I element. didn't expect to see Batman Mushroom Cap. They so they should have called it Batman <laughs> Mushroom Cap. <laughs> So that's just that's just me. Like you know, if it serves a narrative purpose, then I don't mind seeing the human genitalia. But when you're just like scaring me, yeah. Um, so another flashback reveals that Enchantress confronted young Bruce as a child, offering a deal in the present and using a disguise. I want to. I think this is uh, Bruce's famous matches Malone character. Are you familiar? He has one yes. undercover undercover character that has a scar on his cheek. Uh, it's literally one of those prosthetics. He puts a prosthetic on his cheek and glasses and a hat and he's ma- he matches Malone. So he goes out into the street to find out what's going on and he sees Zatanna. I love Zatanna's weird street magic outfit, her look, it that whole thing. Great. I thought it was really, Pay really cool. Pay attention to the queen. Pay attention to the queen and all that. Like she looked like a hip street magician. Um, so while Batman... Uh, observes Gotham's street activity. That man appears and warns him of dark forces that plan to oppose him. Bruce in disguise asks Zatanna for help, and she hints that Joker might still be alive. So I wanted to talk a little bit about that um, that homeless man. So a homeless man says that he saw the devil kill um, the Joker. This homeless man comes to and fro from uh, a lot in this book, and it is believed. That this man is the specter. So the specter is the divine spirit of vengeance. Yeah, can he like go from? He can go from body to body. That's what he was doing. He was. That's dead man. Oh wait. Yeah. We'll which get which to was the one with? Which is the one with the, all the, the the muscle showing? The ones that follows around Constantine. That's, that's dead, dead man. That's yeah. dead man. And it's not really supposed to be muscle. It's supposed to be a skin tight red outfit. So the skin tight red. I just thought he outfit. was like inside no, out no, no. Rick and Morty style. Skin tight. Uh, he has a skin tight red outfit with the old school big V uh, collar, and he's all white. His face is all white and ghostly. I know who you're talking about. He's not drawn like that in the car- in the Justice League cartoon. No. He was in the Justice League cartoon. Big, like, vampire type. like Collar. Ma- yeah, the big collar yep, like all that. All red and he's white, white face. Yep. yep. Dead man. Yep. Yep, yep. So, um, but the Spectre, he's like, man, he, uh, he was created by Jerry Siegel and Bernard Bailey, although several sources say that it's only Siegel who did it. Um... But, like, he is the agent of the presence, which is basically the god of DC. He is the embodiment of, of God's vengeance. Um, there's another character called Eclipso, I think, that's called the embodiment of God's wrath. But so who the, is he, this person in Ghost Rider? Oh, well, so... I know it's DC, so like, what's, what's their deal with them, then with Ghost Rider, with that whole spirit of vengeance thing? So Marvel has the spirit of vengeance. Ghost Rider is like an avatar. He has to go out and do things. The Spectre doesn't do anything. He sits and waits and then shows up and is like, yeah, you're dead now. Like, you've been judged. Oh, that's that's sick. He's just... A, that's per- that's, he's so it's just like, like random. Seeing. They go to hell in that Swamp Thing book, and they say that you can hear the Spectre's footsteps in hell as he walks. That's how massive of a character he is he's just a big all-seeing all-knowing everything um so what's cool is that um i think i think and you think you're supposed to be led to believe that that homeless man is the specter he has the green hoodie and he has green eyes and later on he tells batman that you're i'm here to judge you you deserve to be judged and all that other kind of stuff so there's another little um 
just keep keep putting the notches, you yeah. know. Let's it's another little magic user in there. So let's talk about Zatanna. So Zatanna Zatara. I didn't realize that her father was named Zatara. Yeah, that's how that's how it was in um Introduced for me in Justice League Unlimited. Why would you name your daughter Zatanna if your last name is Zatara? My last name is Serrano. Well, I, I wouldn't mean, name a, I wouldn't name my daughter Serrera. Serrera Serrano. <laughs> I wouldn't do that. Well, I'm Mario Mario, and you're Luigi Mario. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. it's worst things have happened. Worst right? things have happened. Um, but are you a fan of Zatanna? You mean? Oh, I'm a I'm a huge fan of Zatanna. If I could find the that perfect like cosplay outfit size to fit my girlfriend, I will never make sure she takes that off because. <laughs> I'm a big fan of Zatanna. Pretty old too. She debuted in 1964. Nice. She's a that's um, an OG. Yep. Created by Garner Fox and Murphy Anderson. By what people mostly know about Zatanna, she's a magic user. She casts spells. But the biggest thing that people know about her is that she casts her spells by speaking backwards. Yes. So that's the big thing about Zatanna. She has to be able to speak backwards. Um, it would be hard to read her, her books. Sometimes they, I mean, it I would no, I would, I would it actually happens. have yeah. to. No, you know who, you know what sucks? Bizarro. No, Bizarro, reading yeah. Bizarro stories, absolutely mind Opposite bending. Day. Yeah, because it's like Bizarro am not awake to morning. He's like, what? Well, Every that, word I have to read. That was kind of my, my, my bit of an issue with Swamp Thing, where it's like, I felt like reading him in here, like after every three words, yeah. exhale, he was like, Batman, <sighs> <sighs> Constantine's oh, not your friend. I couldn't even read <sighs> Enchantress's yeah. stuff. It was all like oh, riddles. Oh, that Weird pissed me off. Riddles. I be nice. You be nice. We be nice. Be mine, Constantine. <laughs> <I'm>, yeah. I, <laughs> I was like, what? I'm mine. You're mine. Be mine. Like, what are you talking about? Um, yeah, so Zatanna is one of the most powerful sorceresses in the DC Universe. And her, I guess her abilities are genetic because she got it from her daddy. Um, but in some rare cases, she could even cast spells without speaking. She has to write in reverse or something like that. I think uh, they touched on that in the cartoon, too. Like, a lot of these, I love the fact that I binged. The Justice League Unlimited, the yeah. specifically Justice League Unlimited. Yeah. I'm so happy that they I was really able got to binge into the the rest of the cast of DC characters. Char- There's yeah. an episode where it was literally all of the DC characters, all of the DC superheroes that had no powers at all. Oh wow! It was it was like it was um the uh, that uh Billy the Kid type guy. Jonah Hex. Yeah, Jonah Hex and all I don't that. Think Jonah Hex got powers. I have to double check that. It was. We're gonna whole- have to cover that movie one day. Oh, the witch's word. We have a holy crap. We have yeah, a witch's worst part. There you we go. Got a, we got a cowboy. We got to talk about. Oh my god! All right. So just I just want to throw it out just for an idea. Which is worse, Jonah Hex or League of Extraordinary Gentlemen? Oh dear, I gotta read that comic. I have to read that comic too. Alan Moore, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I've been pretty so. sure it's Alan Moore. So check you out. Um, so let's talk about that man a little bit. Boston Brand, you know, <laughs> that, that's his name, Boston Brand. He a pers- no, what's his real name? That's his real name. All right. Boston Brand. He first appeared in Strange Adventures number 205, October of 1967. I guess the 60s, everyone was just on like some psychedelics and just creating all these ma- magical creatures and the stuff like that. The amount of acid and coke that these comic book creators were taking to make these characters, pol- yeah. the polka dot man or whatever, come on now. Yeah. So Boston Brand used to put on a red uh, costume and call himself Dead Man and then paint his face like a corpse because he was always doing death-defying trapeze artist stuff. And then one day he gets murdered, uh, you know, flying Grayson style while he's doing his trapeze stuff um, and is given the power to possess any living being by a Hindu god named Ramakrishna. 
in order to search for his murderer and attain justice. As a disembodied spirit, dead men could not be seen or heard by most others, uh, but is able to pass through objects, fly or float. He's able to possess any living being, human or animal, control their actions, and could communicate with people through another's body. And that's what you're talking about. He constantly does this to this. And he's constantly trying to warn Batman that dark forces are... Yeah, I think there was like a Come panel where he was just like moving from person to person, trying to like warn him about and something. Dog, he got into a dog. Yeah, he got into a dog. <laughs> yeah. So, so I, I think this is kind of messed up. Like the, these, it's, I guess because I've been just been watching it and reading it lately. But these characters that like have to like stay in like limbo on Earth with these like phenomenal I, cosmic uh, powers, um, like one foot in and one foot out. Of, yeah. of the real world. Yeah, yeah. Just stuck in it that ethereal almost, plane. They're almost all that way because they have the the foresight to see the other side, a side that nobody else sees. Um, and it's really existential. That's why Constantine's a wreck. That's why Constantine is... Because while somebody is like, I don't have money to pay my rent, he's like, there's bloody demons across the street, you know, playing poker. Like, he's... he's The stuff that he has to worry about is tenfold any, what anyone else has to worry about. Um, and so Batman and Constantine meet at a church where a statue of Jesus has been desecrated with a painting of the Joker's smile. Batman begins to doubt that the Joker really died while Constantine encourages him to seek Etrigan out for information. And that's the end of book one. Um, what do you think about that ending or the Joker being desecrated? Kind of reminded me of the Arkham game. Yeah, you're right. With that, uh, whatever that, one of those side missions was, the person yeah. keeps like disembodying people and leaving them in like Jesus uh, poses. I think it's Professor Pig. Yes. Uh, uh, it's like unclean or whatever you put, you'd write, like un, unperfect or whatever the hell, imperfect. Uh, so book two, let's get into that. Flashback reveals that when Bruce was a child, his mother Martha and father Thomas weren't the perfect married Yo, couple. I almost, I almost hit you up and started getting pissed. I'm pissed that? off at that. That pissed me off. That doesn't really go anywhere, that, does it? It does. Unless it, you, unless, unless the trepidatious nature of their marriage caused Bruce fear. That's what I was gonna say. Like he was very scared of what was gonna happen to him, what was gonna happen to his family, and not wanting fear is what made Enchantress come. And then it's the whole just the domino effect. But the fact that they made Tom- I'm tired of these like interpretations of Thomas Wayne being a piece of shit. <laughs> I can't take this anymore. Yeah, the man. best Thomas Wayne that I ever had was Batman Begins. Well, you're gonna have to deal with it because I got a podcast who was a piece of shit. So now you're gonna have to deal with Thomas you know what? Wayne Touché. who was a piece Touché. of shit. Um. You know, you have, you literally, like, Dark Knight, you have him sitting down on a knee with the stethoscope, you know, talking about Gotham's future and all yeah, this other kind of stuff. But that was so, like, beautiful. He's like, That's he, what I'm saying, yeah. He made the monorail, like, he he had all this power going to, like, Wayne Tower, and, it, and it's going to help sustain all life in Gotham. Like, he was a humanitarian in Dark Knight. So not a oh, fan. Oh, and Batman Begins. Not a fan this, of cheating. I'm Thomas not Wayne. a fan of the of the cheating, abusive Thomas Wayne here. Okay. I'm not a fan of the fake Chris Cooper Thomas Wayne. They, <laughs> Chris they could. Why didn't they just hire Chris Cooper? Speaking of which, he was trying to solicit a prostitute, right? Yes. Okay, just making sure. And he was with his child. He, he was, was with his right? child trying to solicit a prostitute. Okay, just making sure. I think Bruce Wayne almost jumped off that bridge at the time when he was a kid. That was the thing. Like shit, you see her in like that. That get because I'm guessing what we're supposed to assume is this is gonna Are be. Are you gonna say prostitute 60- clothes? Uh, I was going Dan. to say prostitute clothes. That's a little judgy, Dan. I hope you don't think the clothes I'm wearing is prostitute clothes. Well, I mean, you're wearing a crop top and leggings. I don't know what else to say. What else for an episode like this? This is DC black label, Damn. right? You didn't even look at the at the heels. But anyway, <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, we get hints that Thomas might have cheated, and later Martha outright discovers that Thomas had an affair with another woman. And um, 
I almost don't even want to talk about this. This next scene is probably one of the most uncharacteristic thing, Bruce Wayne things, in my opinion, that I have ever seen. But then again, we've never got the Waynes this way. I mean, if we're gonna get it, if this is uh, not our our Earth, yeah. If this is an Elseworlds Batman, then I guess anything is possible. But yeah. my yo, the, the illustrations of this whole scene was just so crazy, crazy, heartbreaking, all that. Because they get into yeah, uh, while Bruce is playing outside, Thomas and Martha get into a fight, resulting in Thomas driving away. So Bruce internalizes this as um, Martha making Thomas leave. That Martha did something wrong. Yeah, that he doesn't because un- he doesn't understand. And why yeah. did you make my dad leave? And so angry at her, he fires a toy cap gun in his mother's face, like at the back of her head. Like the she's back si- of her head. Yeah, she's sitting he in the chair. Walks over to her thinking that she doesn't know that he's there and seemingly puts a fake bullet in her head. What kind of child? That child's not Batman. That's not even Bruce You're Wayne thinking, to me. That's not my Bruce Wayne. What is going on here? And so she turns around and she's like tearing up and she's like, don't you ever use guns? And I get that we're supposed to assume that that's where he got that from, but I don't want his lesson being learned because he almost tried to kill his mother. If he would have had a real gun in that moment, I would assume that child Bruce Wayne, to get revenge for his father, would have killed his mother. Revenge for his father, who was cheating on his mother. None of this. Someone's been reading too much Tom King lately. Oh, my God. Madness. Okay, I got it out. That's when they bring, uh, yeah, then you get the next scene with the Enchantress. Yeah, because so Batman's memories of the events become plagued by the Enchantress, who implies that he had a hand in the Joker's death and offers to make a deal to get uh, help him get rid of fear. Batman finds Etrigan the demon at the cavern, an underground nightclub, and the demon is seemingly a rap artist this time, because the regular Etrigan the demon uh, speaks in riddles, like rhyme, I'm sorry. He speaks in rhyme. He is like yeah. beholden to that. No matter what and uh, where you see him, what he's doing, he always has to rhyme. Um, so I thought that was kind of funny, that he's a rap artist here. Uh... So Etrigan, angry for being... Oh, sorry. During his act, Batman fights through the crowd to confront him. Etrigan, angry for being interrupted during a performance, orders the crowd to point firearms at Batman. Suddenly, an explosion destroys the building, and the bat signal desecrated with the Joker smile lights up the sky. So now I'm like, oh, he's back. Oh, the Joker's back. Got the smile. Figured it out. Etrigan saves Batman, putting him out of the rubble, but tells Constantine that he only did so in order for Batman to experience his own more suffering. Which again... That's petty. Which again, wrinkles. Gives you more... Wrinkles, just another more wrinkle ammo. for the... More ammo to my theory. So, let's talk about Etrigan a little bit. Etrigan the Demon is a fictional superhero appearing in American comic books published by DC Comics and was created by Jack Kirby. Etrigan is a demon... Uh, from hell, who despite his violent tendencies, usually finds himself allied with the forces of good, mainly because the alliance between the heroic characters of the DC Universe and Jason Blood, the human whom which Etrigan is bound. Etrigan is a muscular humanoid creature with orange or yellow skin, horns, red eyes, and pointed webbed ears. Uh, the character was originally based in Gotham City, leading to numerous teams up team-ups with Batman. Makes sense? Makes um, sense. Uh, according to Mark uh, Evanier. Kirby had no interest in horror comics, but created Etrigan in response to a demand from DC for a horror character. Kirby was annoyed that the first issue sold so well that DC required him to do 16 issues. Uh, and he had to abandon all his fourth world books before he was done with them. Fourth world being, being 
um, Dark Side, Granny Goodness, all those stuff that Jack Kirby had created. So Etrigan got immortality, superhuman, uh, physical attributes, extra sensory, power regenerative. Uh, he has a healing factor. Um, he has telepathy. He can, but mostly people know him for his Hellfire Blade, and he can like spit Hellfire. But yeah, back to that. Back to that. Uh, what was it? The bat bat symbol, right? Yeah, Joker bat symbol. Someone dressed as a Joker is causing trouble in Gotham, and it's revealed that the bombing and the chaos was orchestrated by Harley Quinn. And this is when it broke my heart. Was honestly. unable to cope with Joker's death. Yeah, where she's like, I don't know what I'm going to do now without him and stuff. I was talk, like, That's... Talk, talk a little bit about this version of Harley Quinn. She, she can, I do like the Dia de los Muertos face paint. Yeah. Uh, she had kind of has that Mexican um, skull face paint. It was the it was the Day of the Dead face paint. That was I, I pointed that out to Jasmine. I was like, oh my God. Because it was a cover. Yeah. It was like the cover the of, issue, of the issue two. No, it was issue two. Okay. Yeah, yeah it, was the, it was the cover of issue two. But it was kind of like messed up because like... I guess I'm tired of seeing Harley with Joker. So when now that I hear that she has like her own like thing where she's not with Joker anymore, canon wise, I'm really surprised and happy by it. But here it was kind of heartbreaking where she's just like, I don't know how I'm gonna live without him, or I don't know what to do now. And well, what can you do besides just move on from the murdering psychopath <laughs> that used to beat you around? I get I get what you're saying because there is a there is a person there. You know, there is a person. Hardy Quinn is she a person. She was a doctor. She had a PhD in psychology. Like, you don't just make this stuff up. You can't just buy a degree. Right. Well, I think there's I think you could buy it from somewhere. <laughs> but but no, like you're saying, you know, she was an actual factual person, and the idea that after this madman is gone, when you would seemingly think she's free, there's not she sees nothing in life. She sees no more to life because her man's gone. Her I guess in, in a sense, I the way I read a lot of these books is like if it's not my like Calvin time, I call it the Calvin time. If it's not like the timeline that I know, oh, the main call, continuity, the timeline. main continuity timeline, it. It it is open to interpretation, many interpretations, and it can and be literally with, anything can happen because it's not your Batman. Yeah, it's affected. not my Harley Quinn, it's not my Joker. So anything that's going down can go down like the way it's going. So okay. Batman can Batman can kill if it's Batman from Earth C one fifteen. You know, like yeah. it doesn't bother me. So as long as like I know that it's canonized that Harley is no longer with Joker and that she's doing her own thing, I can I can be happy with it. I can be happy with her. Having her own little coping problems with his death in this little, what is it, the DC metal? DC uh, right? Dark? DC something? Uh, black Label? Black Label, there you go. DC Black Label. Um, So, you know, she talks to him, she's like, there's nothing else to live for, kill me, all this other kind of stuff. Um, But then, Harley hits him with a baseball bat and injects him with a drug that paralyzes him and attempts to sexually abuse him. Um, Jesus Christ! You want and so you want you you. Here's another wrinkle. You ready? In trying to sexually abuse him, we see something interesting about Harley. It looks as if she has autopsy scars. Yo, she might very well have autopsy scars because she might very well be dead, and also in a weird. Uh, hellscape limbo thing. Again, just this is just my interpretation. So, uh, Batman manages to get an upper hand and possessed by in, in the Enchantress, 
strangles her against the bat symbol. I think we're led to believe that he kills her. But again, if this is all in some weird limbo, then it doesn't matter. Yeah, because I, 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 before you were giving me your interpretation today, to me, it was just like, this is like, did Batman just strangle Harley Quinn to die? I, try, I tried so hard to just put it out of my brain that I just completely did you forgot. That, it. Did you notice that his reflection was Enchantresses, though? Yeah. In the bat signal. Um, so, I thought that this was literally just a heavy-handed um, um, homage to Killing Joke, where... Same. Because you can see the... War- I think you just, they only show the floor. like the, But they her show her legs. feet off the ground. There you go. And, and her hand was like... And that's very lopsided. similar to how that scene is shot, where they show Batman's feet. And you normally you see like raindrops at the bottom of that end of that issue and the laughter stops or whatever. Um, So, yeah. And there's a lot of things to the killing joke in this. As a matter of fact, the last panel is literally ripped out of the killing joke. The last artwork panel of the Joker is ripped out of the killing joke. Um, But, yeah, that's the end of book two. So now let's get into the end and my interpretation so we can try to nail down what's happening in this story. Can you do it, George? I'm going to try my best, man. I'm going to try my damn best. Later, Batman awakens trapped inside of a coffin kill Bill style. Uh, oh, but instead, yeah. of him, instead of him having to learn that five-inch punch, uh, he is rescued by Swamp Thing, who warns him of the dark danger ahead. Constantine arrives and argues with the Swamp Thing before Enchantress appears and attacks Batman. She taunts and tries to inflict pain on Batman, but he, when he denies her, she disappears. What do you think about this whole uh, Swamp Thing enchantress? I was loving the Swamp uh, Thing interaction between him, Constantine, and Batman because honestly, now that I know that Constantine first appeared in Swamp, in Swamp Thing, I can see the that they understood that there was an established connection and chemistry with them where he's like, listen, Constantine's not a good guy. Can you shut up? Like I said, Batman, Constantine's yeah. not a good guy. You know, no one's talking to you. Constantine is not a good guy, Batman. He's not your friend. Like, you can see that that, that chemistry between that, that established, I know I know him better than he thinks he, I know him. Yeah. Not only that, but it's, it's, it's a thing where it's like, Swamp Thing is being big and ominous because that's all he knows how to do. That's all he knows how to be. Poor and so, too, Batman is just this big, crazy, ominous force of nature but to Constantine, it's like swampy. It's like relax, bro. I get, I get that this is the end time. You know what I'm saying? Like he kept cutting his legs off from underneath him. Like, like it's like, have I, you ever battled the angel of Saint Michael? Like, yeah, swamp, yeah. calm down. Yeah, it's like I have literally seen the ground floor of hell. And they all just cracking jokes at Batman. You can see Batman getting continuously um, frustrated. Uh, oh, yeah, he says, like, I'm tired of your arrogance. I'm tired of you talking. Oh, there's a cool-ass scene. The scene where they're on the roof, where Batman takes uh, his cigarette. Batman takes Constantine's cigarette as he's smoking because he's so over his shit. He's like, uh, you know, I'm not going to just let you sit here. He's like, he, he says something like... like no, he's like, I'm, you- I'm tired of your arrogance. Like, I'm not going to let you sit here and just talk shit anymore. So he's like, no, he fucking took his cigarette. <laughs> but I do like the like the chemistry between them. I could read more Batman-Constantine work. If it's just not this black label stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, Constantine got his own book, bro. He got like four of them. Hey, maybe one day we can cover the Constantine movie and book. Oh, man. Keanu yeah. Reeves. Although, he, I, I wish he was British. Uh, I wish he was British. But you know what? It's like I, I watched the Constantine movie before I ever knew it was a comic book. Okay. So just on like that movie, just standing by itself as a movie... I love that damn movie. Uh, yeah, I yeah. love that damn movie. Yeah. yeah. 
it's, I did it, like um, what's her name in it? Uh, Tilda Swinton. She's like, I think she's a uh, Saint Gabriel. Gabriel. Yeah, Gabriel. she's Saint Gabriel. She be Gabriel. Peter Stormare is like the devil. Yes. Like, uh, come on, it's it's Keanu Reeves being John Wick, but with demons. Like, I'm sold. I guess we could go ahead and let these fans know. You know, we're actually covering season one of Swamp Thing next week. Oh yes, me and George together. Yeah, we will be, we'll obviously be, together. We will be covering um, Swamp Thing season one. So, with the little bit that you've read, that you've seen of the show so far, the little bit that you've read of Swamp Thing's own, I literally series, read just one, the first issue, the very first issue. Um, and 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 now this. Do you feel like you have at least a little bit more of an understanding of the character? Oh, I have a huge understanding of the character now. Like I can, you know, what it is? I think I, I have to give the show more of its credit. Yeah, because from what I read in the first issue. They really are tapping on a lot of the things that get uh, get a character right when you go to interpret them. Yeah, so, I'm about six episodes in, a little bit over halfway. I I don't, I don't think that there's anything that I, nothing's happened where I'm like, oh, that's not, and why did they make that choice? Not, nothing's See, happened. That's you know things. Everything is made. Every episode since four has made me interested, like, with that cliffhanger. Like, oh, what's going... That damn going... snake, bro. We'll talk about it, Yo. that damn snake scene, man, is one of the oh most my hard-to-watch things. That, I keep pointing to that when people talk about shocking violence. We could go, this movie, and it's so gritty, it has shocking violence. That was shockingly violent. I was not ready for that. And I keep showing other people who are not watching the show that scene so they can know the level that DC Universe gets on, and everyone squints, everyone looks away, everyone hides their head. You know who's executive hands. producer? James Wan. Makes a lot of sense. That's what I said. I finally, like, I noticed it said executive producers James Wan too many times in the credits. I'm like, wow. Although, if you you heard the score, you would think that it was directed or executive produced by uh, James Wan. (laughs) You you know who does the score, by the way? Brian Tyler, who did Age of Ultron with Danny Ah, Elfman. Ah, really? Yeah. You got some good people on there. And then Crystal Reed played uh, Sophia Valcone on Gotham. So, all comes back around. But yeah, uh, Swamp Thing's been around for uh, quite some time. Very existential character. Yes. Very existential he's connected character. to the world. Yeah. So when you're connected to the world, everything that you think of is not on the scale of just my day. It's the world. And for, he, he, not only is he connected to the world, he's going to be living as long as the world is alive. Yeah. So everything is existential because he's... Oh my God. Time is nothing to him. Humans, Life is human, nothing no, to him. No, that's the thing is humans will die. Yeah. The earth will never... The earth as a, as a planet will not go anywhere. There's a story, and I think Yogi knows it best, where uh, he uh, takes over Gotham. Swamp thing. He gets angry and he creates basically a forest through the city. See, that's the you stuff know? I need in the Arkham games. Give me something like that. Swampy. I'm, I'm happy he finally debuted in um, Injustice this year. Or last year. The game? Yeah. Swamp Thing's a playable character. What? Yeah. Yo, I'm about to be making trees come out of nowhere, bro. Because, ah, uh, Swamp Thing. He, was, uh, he first appeared in House of Secrets number 92 in 1971 in a standalone horror story. But uh, he eventually got his own book. Um, he more resembles an anthro- anthropomorphic mound of vegetable matter and fights to protect his swamp home, the environment in general, and humanity from various... He's basically various- the, the abominable snowman, but with greenery. Yes, which gives him super strength, durability, plant manipulation, plant physiology, and elasticity. He can create multiple versions of himself. He can communicate with all plant life. He can assume the shape of all plant life. I want a Swamp Thing game now. He is, um, he, it, it, all his stuff is pretty horrifying. And I believe his, his visage, you know, his, the way he looks, the way that character design is, is meant to be horrifying. 
I don't. Uh, the only thing and his, th- and his uh, voice bubbles are always drawn that way. They're always really? colored inside, um, and black and, and jagged. With the black with the jagged outside, not a circle. It's never a circle. It's always a jagged, almost like his voice is is otherworldly. Well, I, I would like to interpret it as like it's like vibrating. Yeah. So like when he speaks, it's like legit shaking the I metaphysical see, world around it. So. I can see that. But it's I I think he's becoming one of my new favorites. Like between it was damn that really got me interested, and then the fact that we have to cover the show, but the whole environment, the show is like, I don't know. Like I'm getting, in, I'm starting to get to the point in my life where it's like anything that I see comic book wise as a show or a movie, I'm gonna want to read something about it, just it's, to see it's the an inspirations inc- that they took. It's a cr- it's an incredibly interesting um, way to take on a media, is to have basically put one subject down. And get it told to you by two different peoples in two different visual mediums. So it's like I just want to see if like the movie, like the the filmmakers can and can stick to the same like I, I guess like personality traits as like the comic books give us. Yeah, because it it's not like, like with movies we're watching one movie. Sometimes if it's a franchise, we get four at the most of a solo film, and now yeah. we're getting these extended universes. But before that, when we were kids, we got whoa. A trilogy of yeah. one comic book character. Exactly, yeah. But these books were getting thousands of different panels, like and books and stories, hundreds of pages. Swamp Thing's like two hundred issues. What I'm liking is that people are starting to realize that there's more people than Batman, and Superman, and Wonder Woman. Oh, one hundred percent. Being on this podcast and being able to cover the comics that I've offered to be on the schedule for, and actually going out of my way and reading them. I can tell you 100% there are so many amazing comic books but out there. But that's why it's like, why do you keep going to the same well? Why do you keep hanging your hat on the same characters? Get people on board for this stuff. Get people on board with Swamp Thing, Constantine. Um, the Flash even doesn't is not on the same marquee as Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman. Um, do if you better. can read Mr. Miracle, you can read anything. Yeah. That's my, that's my personal opinion. Yeah. If you can like sit through Mr. Miracle... You can no, read anything. No. If you can read Miracle, Miracle Man. Man. Oh, I don't, I don't know if I want to scare them away now. That is the benchmark. Miracle. Because you got you have a tough stomach to stomach some Miracle Man. Um, but yeah, so Constantine takes Batman to meet Zatanna in a club. Because Batman's like, I need answers. He's like, fine. We'll go to this place uh, where all the magic-based people hang out. And she uses a spell to send them back in time to the night that Bruce's parents were murdered. We see that Enchantress attempts to seal her, de- seal her deal with Bruce, but Constantine shoots and kills them both. Constantine explains that he merely killed Batman's past and encourages him to let it go. In the present, the Spectre reveals to Batman that he let the Joker fall to his death. Batman, regretting his decision, visits the morgue to see Joker's corpse, and it is revealed that the Joker did indeed survive. Okay. All confusing. Are you ready for my, my interpretation on, on the matter? I think we're ready for your interpretation on that. All right, guys. This is what I think happened. This guy's excited. He let me know about it earlier. So I think at the end of Joker, Batman, or during Joker, whatever, Batman is stabbed uh, by Joker fatally. Like a nice kidney shot. Real deep. He's bleeding out. Well, if we're going to go under that this is like influenced by Dark Knight, remember it was said in um, Dark Knight that even though he was going to be able to like turn his neck and be more sustainable to gun to to gunfire and like dog biting. Yeah, he's gonna lose vulnerability in his the ribs. Plates, the spacing between the plates would allow for people to dig a knife in. Yes, that was which it. Is, that's how Talia stabbed him. Uh, 
And so. uh, that's how he got stabbed in uh, The Dark Knight, where it messed up his sonar stuff. And then the Joker getting up getting the upper hand. Like, So I can see that he would probably have like uh, more spaced out plating right between the kidneys and that nice kidney shot. Because there's, uh, there's a scar right here that I got from Backyard Wrestling. Yeah. And the doctor told me that three inches deeper, I would have bled. On, I would have cut the bottom of my lungs and bled internally. So if you get someone right around here, you're piercing the bottom of their lungs and they're bleeding internally. And, it's a wrap and they yeah. wouldn't even know. They wouldn't. They wouldn't. They wouldn't know at all. That's scary. That's scary stuff. You just bleed into your lungs until you eventually just choke on your own blood. Ugh. Um. So okay, this is my interpretation. So he gets stabbed. Up there. Um, but let's go all the way back to the beginning. So Bruce Wayne, as a boy, made, makes a deal with Enchantress to never have fear again because his life, his family life, is so crazy that he's honestly scared. He doesn't know what's going to happen next. So he fears that maybe his family is going to be, you know, end or whatever. You know how kids put all the blame on themselves. So, boom, he, he does that. He puts all the blame on himself. And so Enchantress... You know, when Enchantress is like, you never have to fear again, he's totally down with it. So he makes that deal with Enchantress to never fear again. The deal is solidified when Bruce Wayne leads his family down Crime Alley to be killed. That night, the boy with full control over his own destiny, young Bruce Wayne, is killed. When they go to, when they do the um, seance, when Zatanna does the seance, um, in the Magic Users Club, nightclub? Yeah. The person that is invoked is young Bruce. That's the ghost that comes up. Yeah. It's young Bruce, which is weird. <laughs> so I'm assuming. It's the soul. The soul so I'm is assuming dead. the yeah. soul of young Bruce is dead or traded in or whatever uh, that day. You know? So young Bruce was killed, seemingly, in that moment and replaced by Enchantress's avatar of anti fear, the Batman. So once, once Bruce Wayne decides he wants to become the Batman, he loses control of his destiny because he's already made the deal with Enchantress. She will have his soul forever. That's kind of sick that if he didn't become Batman, he would, he would change fate and be able to save himself and save his soul. Mm-hmm. That the only way to lose who he is is to become Batman. That's, now you're going into real existential crisis. Yes, definitely. Um, and so, the night that... Oh, oh sorry. With his soul in her, in her, with his soul in her possession, Bruce Wayne spends decades fighting fear and crime before being fatally stabbed by Joker. Like I said earlier, um, and then his nemesis falls off the Gotham Bridge. Batman's first reaction when Joker falls off the Gotham Bridge, and we see it in Damned, is to lend an outstretched hand and save him from the fall. But Batman knows that he's fatally stabbed. He knows that he's going to die. So he tells himself. That Gotham wouldn't be able to handle a city where he, Batman, dies and the Joker lives. So in that moment, knowing that he is going to die, again, Batman knows his wounds are fatal. In When he's talking to the Spectre, the Spectre tells him, your wounds were fatal. And Batman confesses that in knowing that he was going to die, he felt that the best course of action was to ensure Joker was also going to die. Because if he saved Joker... And then succumb to the knife wound, he is basically damning Gotham. He's leaving Gotham in the hands of the Joker with yes. nobody that can actually truly stop him unless Superman decides to just go across the pond real yes. quick. So he does. He lets him fall to seemingly his death and then succumbs to his wounds. Uh, he wakes up in hell. 
due to his soul never being able to rest because it's in the possession of Enchantress. It ain't his, you know? He can't chill. He can't chill out. Enchantress got his soul. So Constantine, knowing Batman, does his best to help ferry him, ferry him, sorry, from one place to another. It would make sense that Constant that why Swamp Thing kept telling him Constantine's not your friend because who's to say Constantine is doing this to actually save Bruce, Bruce. Wayne Batman and he's just not doing it because hey Joker actually survived you have more things to do we need you to actually save Earth while I save heaven and hell and stuff like that he could be using saving Batman as an as another peg in the chess game yeah so I could I could see it your interpretation makes real sense um. So the Spectre believes that Batman should be judged as all men should be. This is the scene at the morgue at the end. Um, but Batman avoids accountability because he won't admit that he damned the Joker to his fate. What's crazy and the little piece of irony is that Batman's judgment isn't because he murdered the Joker. Because we find out the Joker's not dead. Um, he is being judged by all these foes. He's being sent to hell for two reasons. One, because he gave up his soul to Enchantress. And two, because in a moment where he could have done something altruistic, in a moment where he could have saved the Joker, he chose not to. So well, he's what's more altruistic? Saving Gotham? Saving Gotham or saving Joker? So the thing is, I mean, religion, work, the one religion li- works in very weird ways, But does right? the one life that's already a murdering... Uh, all right, Joker's already breaking a commandment. He's already yeah. breaking an original sin. Yeah. Wrath, greed, you know, envy, stuff like that. Yeah. So would that one already damned negate, soul negate, negate the, the yeah. entire, the actual good that Gotham could have? All the innocent children and mothers in that city? I believe so. But I, but as, as someone who has such a, a staunch view of right and wrong, I could see Bruce Wayne having a black and white interpretation of it. Because it still goes back to the I'm not the judge, jury, and executioner. But it's but come on, the one already damned soul should null and void the rest of like the people that need to live. Why should all these? Why should that old couple have to be worried that the Joker is going to come into their house and slaughter them like the last old couple because Batman didn't do the real right thing, right? To finally put an end to Joker's. Reign of Terror, his yeah. I I get it. If if it was in God's plan, then it would be that the Joker would die the way he would die. But we're 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 working with worlds that don't actually have a deity God. They have a they have deities more than they have a real God. Yeah, like you have the spirit of vengeance, and you have like um like a dark side, and all of these people that are like like gods. They're demigods and deities, but they're not what. Catholicism has led us to believe is the one true God. How do you feel about Batman um, being lobbed in with the rest of these uh, entities? I mean, in a, I in, I guess in many ways, the normal human views Batman almost as an entity, right? Almost as this all-seeing, We call him a superhero instead of a hero. He's an all-seeing, all-knowing shadow that just can judge and... Um, be swift and they did a really good job with that in the dark knight the movie where it's like you see the montage of all the criminals not wanting to break the law yeah or seeing that it's getting dark and they're like ah, nah not tonight actually tonight's not a good night you know like you you even though the bat signal is in the sky batman doesn't need to be around to see it's just it's like that scene from clerks where dante was painting his girlfriend's 
nails uh-huh. on the floor of behind the counter yes. and all on the and on the counter was like a bunch of change in dollars and it says if you're gonna rob us please let us know yeah 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 and all you hear is people putting the things down the coin, and he's, and he's like down. thank you and he's like it's like you trust people he's like people see a bunch of money on a counter and no one around they think they're being watched yeah. honesty through paranoia <laughs> yeah that's batman that's, that's yeah, yeah. Honesty through paranoia. You think Batman's gonna catch you, so you just don't do anything, anyways. So, do you think that this entire book? Do you think that all these meetings, this is Batman's personal hell? Do you think he's being tortured for his? Uh... Honestly, the more that I think back, like the more that like things, it points a lot towards hell. And Constantine wouldn't be in this story if it wasn't if hell wasn't a factor. At one point, he tells Bruce, "Oh yeah, you died when you were a kid. You're in hell right now." Like just, just there you go. But I think it's one of those things that it's you know it's like all lies, half it's, truth. It's, it's a half truth. He is dead. He yeah, is but you know it's too. It fits the the bill too much for it to be just a coincidence or like a a quip, a stupid banter. There's yeah. no way that that was just a like a an asshole remark thrown out. When there's there's other things that we have here that's proving no Batman really did die on the bridge in Joker and now he's in hell. And I I go with your interpretation. <laughs> that's uh, I uh, guys if you guys have read this um let me know let me know what you guys think about it because honestly I didn't think that the the I didn't think that this was like metaphysical I didn't think there was much to the interpretation of this story until I looked up other comic book um you know reviewers podcasts articles I did such a deep dive in trying to figure out what the hell was going on and no one's sure no one's 100% certain so I cobbled together he just disappears into the shelf of the morgue thing and, and oh yeah and then we find like out that. that Joker is alive no yeah it ends like that he like he looks at the he picks up the the thing the 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 sheet yeah he notices Johnny he Frost said, I body. wish Joker was still alive he disappears and then Joker rises from the water I don't. I don't know if I'm supposed to and it's believe. Like the kill, yeah, the killing joke thing. Though. I don't know if I'm supposed to believe that um, he. Uh, I don't know if I'm supposed to believe that. Like he wished, and now everything's back to that moment, and Joker's no, alive. No, that was just one of those like n- like those uh, narrative coincidences. Like okay. that 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 kind of dialogue was like, oh, I wish like oh no, and uh, then what, it went right back those, to the beginning. Oh, oh, couldn't get any more worse, could it? And then it starts raining. Those yeah. kinds of like. So then it starts raining squids and everyone's confused. No, we'll get, we'll get we'll to get that one day. We'll get there one day. Please, we have to we'll cover get that. One day, bro. One day. Oh, my God. Uh, but I loved getting into this Batman Damned. I love getting into the Joker. What What do you think are... What is what is the optimist, optimistic look at DC Dark Label by after going through these stories? Are, is there anything that you think that these stories had that did well? Yeah. And, and thus, yeah, thus, there's a reason why you need a, a black label. They're, yeah, it's one. It's it's different. It's new, you know. Like I sure I don't need to see superhero genitalia, tits or penis, but it's it's still like they're taking they're taking liberties without being full on disrespectful. They're not you know killing off certain characters just for the sake of shock value. Yeah, they're they're trying to tell like a real story with a real message. You know, don't let your grief defy you and define you and all that. I'm all, you know me, I'm all for like the non-glamorous nature of supervillainy, the non-glamorous nature of bad people and how bad people do bad things. Um, yes, you're right. It's not that black and white sometimes. And yes, you're right. There are shades of gray. But with some of these villains, you need to see them in their true no, when shades. It's, when it's a hero and a villain, it should just be black and white. There should be no, the hero's actually 
wrong this time and the villain's actually the right one this time. Because then it's just you're you're, you're putting you're, you're breaking the rules when you're the one making the rules. And I was gonna do that whole thing. <laughs> you don't break the rules. I mean, you don't break rules. You make rules. And if the, your friends want to break your rules, and they're not your real friends, <laughs> um, um, so I, that's I, I agree with you because I don't I don't like the idea of like Batman being tortured for the mistake that he made. He's like, you know how many people he say like there should be somebody trying to talk. You know, like somebody trying to be like, but I, if he made a deal with the devil, it is what it is. And at the end of the day, Joker survived that fall anyway. So what the fuck was, it was worth the it? point? Was it worth it? Like I don't even know. It was because he was being judged for the act of not sticking to his word of "I'm gonna but, save." But the the devil or God or whatever is, is that much of a stickler? Like all the other stuff doesn't grandfather him into heaven. This one thing is enough to kick him out to put him in. That's hell? how real Catholic people think. You can do a hundred great things, but the second you cheat on your wife, you're going to hell. That's what. That's how with religious people work. It's 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 a con. It's crazy. That makes a lot of sense. Um, I think altruism should be humanitarian. You know, you be be a humanitarian. Not how, how do I put it? Like, all right, if you have the opportunity to rescue a rabbit from like a snare trap, but you're already late for work, and you rescue the rabbit, that's that's like great. That's that's not something that you should have to. Suffer for it because uh, later in that day you decide to take a candy bar and just steal it. Yes. <laughs> if you save the life of a rabbit and then you steal a, 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 a Snickers bar from Rite Aid, should you go to hell because you stole? Damn, I guess I guess it is diff- different layers like that. And I guess it all depends on, on a person's interpretation, like their interpretation of the severity of the morale uh, situation in that case. Because it's tricky. It's like we make up the rules as we go along. Because Batman's actively defying law by being Batman. No, He's doing yeah. something wrong. Yeah, vigilante. He's doing something is... illegal. And we're supposed to hope that in doing something bad that some good comes out of it. Yeah, but we're also living in a very... Especially now with this generation, it's like people can side with Batman more because no one wants to side with the cops. Look at right. that whole... That whole outrage that happened over the Spider-Man video game because there's a, a side quest cop, right? that you could be that you could work with the police. So someone's like, "Oh, look at the game makers making Spider-Man alt right because yeah, bootlicker alt right because he's w- working with the police and doesn't understand about this politic and that politic." And it's like, I don't want this. I don't need this. Right. It's a, it's a weird place to take to have um, hostility because he's supposed to be people to protect us. But obviously, that's a story for another day. Um, full transparency. Which story did you like better? Oh, Joker, one hundred percent. Same thing. I read Joker. Uh, I, I said again ten years ago. Um, I I have not read Damned. I did. I had no interest in it. Um, I usually when a book comes out that's um good. I right now I have the leisure and the and the great um convenience of getting by the day reviews. From now, I'm so connected into the world of the comics where I wasn't before. Um, and so now, if people are not ranting or raving about it, I assume it's trash. And no one said anything about Batman Damned. As a matter of fact, you know, we, we have a group chat with uh, Yogi and GT. And I don't think either one of them have read it. Uh, and if they have, they haven't mentioned it because The only it's not... thing that was mentioned was Bat Penis a long time ago. That's, That's all I know. That's what I remember. Something written under DC Black Label that we will probably be getting into the next time you go into one of these tales from DC Black Labels episode um, is Batman Curse of the White Knight, which Oof. has had a bunch of good reviews. I read it myself. I loved it. Um, and uh, maybe I can see if you if I can get you to bite and we'll see. Oh, no, that definitely. Because when you, threw my, when you threw, threw just a list of ideas my way for this episode, 
because I'm trying to keep it like this spooky, scary Halloween Ooh. type theme, the one that stuck out the most to me was Batman Damned. Yeah. So I'm like, sure. Yeah, yeah. Let's, let's try and read it. And then I read it, and I'm like, huh. I don't know what's going on here, but I think that this is something that people should know about. Yeah. It's definitely something people should read. Because even if you don't like this specific story, there are a list of characters that you can now get introduced to and read their story. Yeah, if you, I, I thought that was the best part about if the you've best never from all this. Read a John, uh, uh, if you've never read a Constantine story and you don't even remember watching the movie. Or Justice League Dark in general. Like, any of that you stuff. Know any of those guys. Pick up Swamp Thing. Pick up Constantine. Pick up Zatanna. There's no no shame in that game. Yes. Really, really, really especially good stuff. With, especially with, like, not just DC, not just Marvel, but comics in general. There are so many amazing stories that we definitely would love to cover one day. And that's why we try to do our best as major issues to cover the latest and greatest things to come to comic book and comic book media. We are inching ever closer. The next episode that we record for this will be episode number 99. Oh, man. Uh, 99 Luff Balloons. Edging over closer to episode 100. And we're going. I'm going to post, maybe this week or next week, what we're going to do for episode 100. Uh, let you guys in on the whole thing. 100 episodes. Guys, you were here You were here for 100 Hopefully. weeks. Hopefully. 100 this might be weeks. the first week. If this is your first week, it definitely won't be your last. But if you've been <laughs> here since the beginning, my God, we're on a mission. That's it, baby. We're on a mission to cover the latest and greatest things to come to comic book and comic book media. And if you're listening to this, you're listening to episode number 98, which means there's 97 more. And guess what's not being counted in that episode count? The annual. Oof, so that's right. typically, next week will be our 100th recording. Our 100th uh, recording, our 100th well, then I'm going to have to bring over episode. a bottle of champagne there next week. Um, but episodic, it will be our longest, um, it will be episode 102 weeks. Next week, we'll be covering Swamp Thing Season 1. So when you listen to this, do do yourself a favor. Get yourself a DC Universe app or a friend with it. Find Swamp Thing. At least do Watch a season free trial. Uh, what they have? Offer free two, trial, week, yeah. two week free trials? Or 30 day, one of those two. 30 day. If they offer 30 days, that's amazing. If they offer a two week free game free trial, do that too. Because I'm not going to lie. I, I haven't started episode seven yet. I finished episode six. Yeah. I really like this show. And not only that, but between this and uh, Doom Patrol, like. DC I'm really universe, liking like, DC's universe, like streaming yeah. universe. I'm I I'm honestly I'm getting to the point where I might kind of want the yeah. DC streaming service because nah, I don't blame you. The, if if I can get more original stuff like this, if Titans is yeah this good, Swamp Thing, Doom Patrol levels of good, I will even get on Titans. So good, and again, taking chances on new characters. So yeah, go check out Swamp Thing. Uh, Take down some notes. Email us at comicbookclick at gmail.com. And uh, we will discuss your opinions right here live on air. Um, we get I, any fan mail. We really will read it. Oh, honestly. Any any yeah. email that we get that says, hey, comic book click, I'm, my name is this, and this um, we will read it. If you're listening, somebody sent up me an uh, 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 email in Portuguese. Um, I haven't responded yet. But we did get a Portuguese fan who emailed in. Thank you so much for that. Uh, we have surpassed 5,000 listens and downloads. So um, yes, that's also have. a very big moment, a very big milestone for this podcast. We're passing 100 episodes. We passed 5,000 downloads. We've covered things uh, in TV and comic books, all that stuff. So I want to thank everyone who's listening right now, everyone who's ever listened before, and everyone who's going to choose to continue to go on this journey with us in the future uh, because – we are really trying to make this a thing, and, and and you guys are doing your best to support us. And we, man, we can't say enough to thank you guys. I want to say, um, 
that you can catch this and every episode of the Major Issues Podcast wherever podcasts are found. So that's like Stitcher, Podbean, Podcast Addict, the Apple Podcast app, Google Play, um, Apple, did I say Apple? Yeah. yeah. Google Play, Apple Podcast, Spotify. We're on Spotify. We're on iHeartRadio. Um, yeah. We are wherever podcasts are found. And Just type in Major Issues Podcast. Right in we Google. Write, we actually show up in the auto search. First ones be... Type in Major Issues Podcast, and we will be the first ones to pop right up because we are literally the home for the latest and greatest things to come to comic books and comic book media. Um, I love it. If you want to reach us, talk to us about anything throughout the week. The new, the Catwoman news that came out, uh, uh, Spider-Man coming back to the MCU, all that stuff. We'll be ready to chop up all that stuff. Did you see Watchmen? Talk to me about Watchmen. We'll be discussing all that stuff at Facebook.com slash Comic Book Click, Instagram at Comic Book Click. Or use the hashtag comic book click to find out about the newest, hottest, latest, and greatest things to come to comic books and comic book media. And we're at uh, Major Issue CBC on Twitter. So join the Twitter machine and get on that and contact us. Um, yeah, we're available on all those things. And if you look into the show notes, if you look at the description for this episode and every single episode, you will have full links to our Facebook, Instagram, uh, YouTube, and Tee Public, where we have a bunch of merchandise. You heard the advert at the beginning of this show. We make our own merchandise in-house uh, and we sell it on Tee Public. So go ahead, grab yourself some CBC merch. Make sure that you're part of the click. Uh, and make sure that you're here next week where we tackle all things swampy. We're getting all swampy next week. We're going to get real environmental. While we go to Moray. Moray. I hate <laughs> that name. I hate it. We're going because to it's not even spelled Mar- it's like Maracas. No, it's spelled Maria. Maria's? It's like Maria. Marias? It's like M A I R I A. Like Maria. Like it's, but it's Cajun. So I get it. I understand it. Yeah. They on the bayou. That's where they are. Yes. They out on the bayou. We going out on the bayou. We going out on the swamp. We going to figure out what's going on with our boy Swamp Thing in the next episode. But thank you for being a part of this episode. Thank you for uh, helping us reach 98, 99 next, and then 100. Thanks to all 5,000 of you or more, even if there's more. That's you it. could be listening to it with your friends. Somebody's going to discover this a year later. They're going to rebound and then they go, oh, someone needs to explain this to me. And they're going to find this episode. That's so. That's the, that's what we do this that's happened. why we. Do and you know, this. I, I looked through the downloads, and so, you know, it tells me what down, people are downloading episode three. You know, people going back, people I can't going back that, in the that, that Our Watchmen, our first podcast ever together, people are still just downloading and listening to. Yeah, people are going back into the woodwork. So, yeah, man, if you're done with this episode, go back. I guarantee you, if a movie's come out in the last two years, if a television show has come out in the last two years, if controversy has happened in the last two years, we probably covered it. If as you don't part even know Mitchell's what podcast. movie is worse than what movie, we've done we it. We do that here too. So it's our it's the one stop shop. So make sure that you're here next week. My name is George Serrano, aka the Don. I am Dan, the comic book man. And this has been our tales from the DC Black Label. And remember, whether or not you know how you got these scars, whether or not you're living your own personal hell every single day, whether you made the deal with the devil, half your face is burnt off, or uh, you're just a bloody tosser like our boy Constantine. Remember <laughs> that you're still part of the clique, and you. Yes, you are worthy.